0: Well, shalom, shalom. Welcome, welcome, world changers. We got a special, special episode. We got a special, special session tonight talking about the four Gospels and how they compare in regards to the quote-unquote passion, the passion narrative. Now, there's a lot more than just the passion narrative when it comes to the four Gospels. So we're just basically just talking about just one one little sliver of the pie so to speak so we're going to be comparing them we're going to be talking about some of the differences we're going to talk about some of the similarities we're going to be talking about some of the contradictions and so before we get into this um this session i do want to welcome everyone make sure that you get Get Whatever you got to do, send a text message, send a message through your favorite social media platform, send messages to some of your uh, Christian friends and maybe even some of your Paulian friends or whoever um, to come on and watch with us, listen to this and interact with us in the live chat. Now, I do give permission to the moderator if there's someone who is obviously up to no good in the, in the live chat, just here for no good, not here to learn whatsoever, then I do give permission to the moderator to give you a good boot, okay? So uh, we're not here to troll, we are here to learn. We are here to be reasonable. If you're not reasonable, you're going to get what is coming to you okay those of you who are on tiktok now i'm i'm streaming live on many different platforms right now facebook twitter um d live twitch um vk podbean on the podcast live and also on uh with tiktok of course on youtube as well so um if you're on youtube or excuse me if you're on tiktok or podbean i encourage you to go over to youtube um the reason being is because I'm going to be sharing my screen. I'm going to show you the four Gospels side by side. We're going to go through it step by step. We're going to be answering your questions and so on and so forth. So uh, I think it would be a great benefit for you guys. Excuse me, a great benefit for you guys to go over to YouTube and um, and interact with me there. It's just uh, TikTok does not give me the... Uh, uh, the features that that YouTube does, but I'm going to keep TikTok open as well, just in case we got people over there that are TikTok only people. Uh, you're going to get exactly that TikTok only. Okay, so welcome, welcome, welcome. I see we got several people over there on TikTok. Speaking of welcome and shalom to you guys. What we're going to be talking about today is the the we're going to be comparing Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in regards to the passion narrative. Okay, so let's see what we got here in the chat. We have Calamento says shalom all. One John says shalom. Vinny says shalom, everyone. Psalm 94 says shalom to all. And uh, Mike says, uh, gosh, this stuff's my calling. Shalom's all around. Can't wait. Shalom, Mike. Um, The Great Deception says shalom. We have Jerry says shalom. And Will Will Senior says, hello, families. Hello, hello. Welcome, welcome. Question for move uh says, hello. All right. Welcome you guys. Welcome, welcome. Great to see you all here. Blessings multiplied to you. And I pray. Let's, you know what? Let's start out. I'm going to start out just praying. And so, I mean, we need to really come at this with a uh with, w- with as much unbiased point of view as possible. Unfortunately, some people are more biased than others. uh, And I think it'd be the best for everybody to come at this topic from the most objective point of view as possible. It's very, very hard. For some of you, I know it is extremely hard and some of you, unfortunately, it's impossible. But hopefully uh, everyone that's listening uh, right now uh, will be blessed and, uh, you know, our understanding and our knowledge of the scriptures will just explode tonight. So let's pray. Father, we come before you. We worship you. We adore you. We thank you. We enter your courts with thanksgiving. Thank you for bringing us to this time. Thank you for your grace and your mercy upon us. Thank you for showing us all the things that you've shown us. Thank you for bringing us through what you have brought us through. So we put our trust in you. Father, we ask you that you would speak to every one of our hearts, that you would calm every one of our fears, and that you would teach us. Teach us so that we would be humble, so that we would be open, so that we would accept the truth, even if it's against everything that we have held dear in our life, every doctrine that we have ever held dear in our life. So, Father, we ask you that you would open our hearts, open our minds, speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, change us tonight, change us today. In the name of Yeshua of Nazareth. And everyone said, Amen, and Amen, Amen, Amen. I want to begin. I want to begin by, um, oh, we got Colin Caballero here, just in passing. I just saw your, um. Your comment says, thank you for another day of Bible study. Thank you for another day of fellowship, uh, Caballero. Great to see you. Okay, so I want to begin, for those of you, and I, I have went, on, I went through this kind of thing before. However, uh, for those of you who are joining me uh, for the first time, maybe you have never joined me in one of these live streams be- before, or maybe you're watching after the fact on YouTube or on some of the other platforms, and um, you're wondering, like, what I'm all about. What I'm all about is I want the truth. I want the truth. I want to go upstream. I I want to get. I want to bypass all of the pollution downstream, so to speak, down the river. I want to go right to the source. I want to go to first century uh, disciple, like twelve disciple type doctrine and practice. We want to go past it, all of the pollution that has uh, seeped into the uh, uh, to the to the church uh, low these many many years and so in order for us to really get the most out of um out of this session i want to explain to you what where i come from just very briefly okay like i come from a, i come from um a, a a house a home that um uh, we weren't church going folks. Um, you know, my parents were not church going folks. The only times I, rem- I ever remember going to church was for a, a, you know, a special, um, special event, like a marriage or a, uh, uh a funeral or something like that. But other than that, uh, one baptism, I remember, uh, baptism, baptism in the family. I went to church. So just a few times, just a handful of times in, in my entire life until I was in my, late teens. Uh and so uh God you know um, put his hand on my life and 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 really just uh just pulled me out pulled me out of the mire pulled me out of the darkness pulled me out of a life of sin and 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 darkness and uh in 1992 um July of 1992 I really came to to, to the Lord and in August of 1992 I that's when I would say that I was really really born again if you want to use that term born again um, and so initially initially I, I believe I I knew a lot of the truth but you see what happened was I got involved in a mainstream denominational church. I didn't know what else to do. It's like, I, you know, Christians go to church and uh, now I'm now do I not because I, I always believed in God. I always believed in Jesus as far as I can remember. But I was never really dedicated, never really like, you know, give my life like really like give my all 100 percent to God and, and and searching every like every every area of my life, every area of my mind and my heart, and just dedicating everything to God, loving God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so I thought, well, you know, what else do you do once you, once you make that commitment, you, um, you know, you go to a church and I didn't know a whole lot about church at that time. And so when I started going to church, I, I, you know, maybe not fully or else I wouldn't be here right now, but I, you know, a good part, a good part of me fell into the mainstream Christian narrative. And so back in those days in late 1992, if anybody were to, sh- were to tell me that there were contradictions in the Bible, I would be great, greatly offended at that. I would be like, Oh no, I-, I, I mean, I would be, I wouldn't tell you back then, but now looking back, it would shake me. It would shake me. It would be like, um, it would be like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to face it. So I would try my best to uh you know to either block that out, to block out the voice or or the the source that was telling me about contradictions or or ignore it or explain it away or you know uh make excuses for it or say yeah but yeah but yeah but all kinds of different things. So that's where I was in late 1992. Throughout the decades through it's been what three decades now and so throughout these past three decades i've been studying the word of god i've been studying the scriptures thoroughly i just really really just diving in as much as possible and the more i knew the more knowledge i attained as far as to what each book of the Bible really like, you know, the authors and the cultural uh, context of it, the, the background, the audience of it, the more I learned about the truth of each author of the Bible and each book that was written, the more I came to realize that there were contradictions. And the only reason why I was it was hard for me To accept that fact is because I bought into the lie uh, that the 66-book Bible canon is perfectly inerrant. There's nothing, you know, don't add to it, don't take away from it. Because the more I learned about the Bible canon, Bible canon meaning what books are included in the Bible, there are different Bible canons, right? Many different Bible canons. And so the more I learned about how the Bible came to be and about the Bible canon and who chose what books to go in, the more I realized that Bible canon is not really of God. They didn't have Bible canon back in the days of, of Jesus. I mean, they didn't have the Holy Bible. You know, They, they had each book of the Bible kept separately on scrolls. And so the more I meditated on this the more I thought about it and the more I realized that the Bible in and of itself the Bible canon is not biblical it's not biblical Don't get me wrong I'm not saying that every book in the Bible is wrong I'm not saying that every book of the Bible is is you know is not the word of God don't get me wrong I'm talking about the list of books that that man has put together and printed and published and slapped on the front cover, uh, what, just like this, slapped on it, holy Bible. Okay? That's what I'm talking about. So once you realize that the Bible canon is not of God, it's of man, then you can kind of Say, you know what, let's let's go back to the way it was with Jesus. Jesus had no problem with it. Let every book fall into its own place. Don't put it all in one place and look at it as if it's all a unit. Again, because there are <laughs> there, there's at least a dozen different Bible canons. I'm not talking about versions. I'm not talking about translations. I'm talking about canons. The actual list of books. That are included in any said Bible. Okay. So that's basically how I got to where I am today. Learning, 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 seeking truth, pursuing more knowledge about the Bible is what brought me here today. God, we, you have to read, you have to s- settle on the fact that God is a God of truth. God is the God of truth and all truth is of God. And so if, if truth would lead you to something that is contrary to what you have learnt and come to believe throughout your life, then you must make a decision. I want truth and not what I have heard since I was a child. If someone told you, or you know, I'm sure a lot of people here heard like, you know the, the Bible. You know, uh, implying the 66 book bible again there are many different there's like the 71 the 77 the 7 the 74 book bible the 81 book bible and so on and so forth But i'm talking about the typical western kind of protestant 66 book bible many of you have heard you know this is it no more no less it's sealed it's done you have bought into that i would encourage you to step back reassess Because that is a very, very limiting, limiting point of view. God is bigger than a collection of books that man put together and made an idol out of it. It's bibliolatry. That's what it is in its finest form. It's bibliolatry. It's the idol worship of the Bible. Not just the Bible, but the A particular Bible canon. How can the Protestant believer stand in the face of one of the wonderful Orthodox brothers or sisters and say, my canon is of God and yours is not. I've read so many different arguments. And none of them, none of them hold water. We might get into some of those arguments tonight. By the way, I will be checking the live chat as we go along um, intermittently. Shalom over there on TikTok. Great to see you. Welcome, welcome. So I'm going to tell you something. Talk about truth. Talk about fact. Let me give you a little factoid. If you come at this tonight with the assumption, yes, I said assumption. If you come at this tonight with the assumption that there are no mistakes in the Bible because there can't be any mistakes in the Bible, and I'll guarantee you, you will not find any mistakes. Why? Because You've already made up your mind that there are no mistakes, and you will bend over backwards and do hermeneutical, philosophical, exegetical gymnastics to try to prove that, that there are no contradictions, that there are no mistakes. Oh, forget, forget about the fact that there are hundreds of thousands of variants of just the New Testament alone, the the uh, variants within the, the, the ancient Greek manuscript. Forget about that. Anything can be reconciled. You can make an excuse. You can make a story up. You can say, yeah, but, yeah, but, and you can make up anything. One guy could say, well, I, I saw the car. It was the only car at the intersection. It was blue. The other guy could say, I saw the car too. It's the only car at the intersection and it was red. And if you, if you really wanted to reconcile the two, you could. Well, there was one blue and one red there. Well, it was different times. Well, it was, it was blue and red. Maybe it was blue on one side and red on the other side. Like you can, make, you can make up a whole litany of stupid excuses. May I say that? Stupid excuses. Let's come at this from a very objective point of view. God is an intelligent God, and all good intelligence comes from him. More often than not in the Western world, I believe that Christians have been looked at as not very intelligent. And to be honest with you, the way that they, you know, would say, like, this is one example that there's no contradictions in the Bible, no mistakes within the, you know, uh, amongst the uh, original manuscripts, yada, yada, yada. Anybody in their right mind, anybody with a little bit of common sense and a little bit of knowledge would say, you're wrong. <laughs> it's 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 a known fact. And so no wonder people look at these people as being very ignorant. Let's come at this knowing that all good intelligence comes from God. You won't get anything out of this unless you are willing to change your views if reason, logic, and truth will lead you that way. If you come at this with humility and say, you know what? This is what I believe, but I want to be real and I don't want to try to bend one story to to come, you know, to be, to conform to another story when they, when they just don't. If you're not willing to change your views, you, you are not thinking. So we will see, as we read here in just a moment, we will see some harmony we will see differences and we will see contradictions now the differences are not contradictions i'm not talking about differences i'm talking about contradictions just earlier i mentioned about well one person says i saw the car at the intersection it was it was the only car it was a blue car the other guy could could say yeah i saw the car as well uh it, it, it was at the intersection and and it was making a lot of noise. Maybe its muffler had a hole in it or something. That's a difference in testimony, but that's not a contradiction. If one person said it's silent or very quiet, and the other one person said it's very loud, that's a contradiction. So differences are not necessarily contradictions. So contradictions are when two things cannot be plausibly reconciled. I say plausibly reconciled because, again, if you want to, if you've already got your mind set up, if you're like the old dog that can't learn new tricks, then guess what? You, you're going to reconcile it somehow, or one or one way or another. No matter how stupid the reconciliation can, will be, you will do it. I guarantee you, you will do it if you're stuck there. But contradictions are two things that cannot plausibly be reconciled. <sighs> And if it doesn't say it like it really is, it's not accurate. If it's not clear, it's not accurate. Because you can you can make two different books of the Bible. You know, you can reconcile two, two different books of the Bible because you can say, well, it says that, but that's not the real that's not the way it really was. Or it's 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 not very clear here. So I'll just kind of bend that to conform to the other book and just so that there's no contradictions. If it doesn't say it like it really is, it's not accurate. It's like if you're, you know, you're driving in a car. If the speedometer doesn't tell you the speed like it really is, guess what? It's not accurate. It's not accurate. And just a few more points here I want to get on here before we we dive into this. So... I believe that everyone should concede. I believe that everyone should concede that almost everything can be reconciled. Almost everything can be reconciled. Like one, one story could say, hey, I flew from L.A. to, uh, to New York. And the other, the other guy could say, you know, that guy, he walked from L.A. to New York. Guess what? That's a contradiction. You can't fly. You can't you can't tell one person, "Oh, I flew from from LA to to New York." And then somebody else say, "No, no, no, that guy he walked from LA to New York." That's a contradiction. But if you want to reconcile it, if you're really bent on reconciling it, then you can reconcile it. You can say, "Well, I walked from my ho- from my home to the car, and I walked from the car to the airport." And I walked up, you know. I walked across, in, and I walked to my uh, to the airplane, and I walked to my seat, and I sat in my seat, and 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 then, you know, so many hours later, I walked out of. I I stood up, I got out of my seat, I walked off the airplane, I walked out, and you can say I did walk from L.A. to to New York, but that's not a plausible. That's not a plausible reconciliation between the two accounts. That's not saying it like it. Really, you know, so somebody is not telling the truth because they're not saying it like it really is. So it's not accurate. So number one, almost anything and everything can be reconciled. Number two, you need to realize that contradictions could happen for different reasons. Okay, sometimes they have, you know, the different authors of the different books of the Bible. They could have different sources of information. They can have different points of view, which which do Cause contradictions, they could have different writing practices between the two. That can cause contradictions. But just because there are reasons for contradictions doesn't mean that there are not contradictions. I believe in coming to the table with a very open mind and being very humble about it, and saying I could be wrong. But I also believe, and I also not just not just believe, but I, I I will stand firm that a contradiction is a contradiction and i'm not going to concede that a contradiction is not a contradiction okay two contradictory accounts cannot be cannot both be historically accurate and one of the most dangerous things that any christian can do is stick to their guns no matter what one of the most dangerous things that any christian can do is stick to their guns no matter what. Because if you are a reasonable man or woman of God, if you are reasonable, you should come to the table tonight and say, if logic, if reason, or if truth takes me in a different direction than I've that I've ever known before, than I've ever believed before, if logic, reason, and truth contradicts. What I've, my dearly held beliefs, then I will choose truth over my dearly held beliefs. Follow the truth. Don't follow what you've always thought. And finally, again, before just before we get to uh, get into this, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to give you three pieces of advice. Number one is think for yourself as I go through these books. Okay. You might see something that I don't see. If you do, please leave it in the live chat. Let me see it and put uh, at Christopher on the, like label it with at Christopher that way um, it will stick out to me. Okay. And uh, cause if we get too many, too many comments, I cannot respond to them all, all at once. So, um, The ones that say, at Christopher, I'm going to specifically point those out. So, number one, think for yourself. I'm going to tell you right off the bat. I'm going to read some things I I may miss. I may miss something. If you see it, let me know, please. If you see a contradiction or if you see um, whatever you see that I don't see, let me know. Make sure you label that um, chat with at Christopher. Um, Number two is research for yourself. The stuff that I'm about to say. And when you do your research, be careful the sources that you research. Because sources can be very, very biased. Either one way or another. Okay? Be very careful. Number three is see for yourself. See for for yourself. I'm not telling you to believe me just because I say it. Those of you who know me well enough to know, you know, you, you don't agree with me. (laughs) I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Okay. It's like, you don't agree with me. Okay. I mean, you know, you, I present the evidence that I see, you present the evidence that you see. And, um, if I don't see it, or if I don't, you know, if you don't agree with, if you don't see my point or if I don't see your point, then, you know, so be it. Um, but I mean, it's good to, it's good to do your best to see Uh, to see what the other person, the other point of view from, uh, you know, from an opposing point of view. Okay. So, um, Clutch says, hello, good evening. Hello. Good evening, Clutch. Okay. So let's, let's get into this. Now, I have put on here, um, contradictions in the gospels regarding the passion narrative. Now, depending on who you talk to, the passion can start at different places, okay? Um, and the passion simply means like the sufferings and the crucifixion, the resurrection of, of Yeshua, of Jesus. I'm going to start at the plot to, to kill Jesus. I'm going to start just before the Passover because, hey, We are just before the Passover, uh, you know, at least uh, from the traditional Jewish calendar we are. In fact, um, we are two days before, um, we are two days before the Passover. So let's, let's get into this again. for those of you who are on different platforms, if you are on a, uh, uh, TikTok, or if you are on Podbean listening, listening to a podcast live, I am going to be reading from each of the, th- the four gospels. However, if you want to actually see what I'm reading and you want to see it live, go on over to YouTube. Um, just go to YouTube, look me up over there. It's Christopher Enoch. I am live right now, and I'm going to be sharing my screen and I know some of you might not be able to do that. Maybe you're, who knows, maybe you're driving, you know, driving home or something like that. And you're listening to the podcast, you're listening to the live podcast or TikTok. So that's, that's understandable. But if you're able to go over to YouTube, please do so. I think that you would, uh, you would like it a lot. Um, I think that you would benefit a lot from it. Okay. I'm going to read through this. And again, I welcome your input, especially if I miss something. Just so you guys know, I'm not going off of a script here, okay? I'm not going off of of a script. I am doing this. I'm just flying through this, not scripted, and just looking at this as if I was sitting with you across the table, having four Bibles open, looking at each one of the books of the Gospels. So, speaking of sharing my screen... I uh, this is it right here on the top left-hand corner. You have Matthew, uh, to the right of Matthew. That'll be in the top, excuse me. The top left-hand corner is Matthew to the right of Matthew in the top right-hand corner is Luke in the bottom left-hand corner is Mark. And in the bottom right-hand corner is John. Um, I, I ordered them this way. On purpose, because um, as I've said many, many times, I believe that Matthew is the most accurate. I think that uh, under Matthew is Luke, and under Luke is Mark, and under Mark is John. So um, you'll see right away that John is different than the other gospels. Again, John is not a synoptic gospel, and it's very, it is not very orderly in its um, presentation of the gospel of Yeshua. Um, And this is not. Uh, I mean, we're we're just talking about the last few chapters here. If you go through the entire book of John, you can pair it with the chronological order of the synoptic gospels. You will see how far John is off chronologically. It the the Gospel of John is just a mess. It's just a mess. I know some of you, uh, I know that will get under some of your skin, but I I have to tell you like it is, right? It's just a mess chronologically. Everything's all over the place. The synoptic Gospels are assumedly chronological. And the fact that the Book of John or the the Gospel of John was written long after the synoptic Gospels Uh, I would say the synoptic Gospels are more accurate in regards to the chronological events of the day. Okay, so Matthew chapter 26. Let's take this. This is going to be a very uh, exhaustive look at this. Matthew 26, plot to kill Jesus. uh, Verse 1. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings that he said to his disciples, you know... That after two days is the Passover. So, you know what? We are reading this. We are reading this at this time. You know, um, assuming the Passover in those days was uh, on Friday. This would have been on Wednesday, the same day we're reading this. You know that after two days, this is the Passover, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Now let's skip on over here to to Luke. Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread drew near, which is called Passover, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Okay, so Luke skipped this all together. And and Luke goes right into the whole thing about um, Judas, the whole story of Judas. And then how Yeshua goes into preparing. Um, Going down here to Mark, in the bottom left-hand corner. uh, After two days, it was the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by trickery and put him to death. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar of the people. And then it goes right into the the story of the anointing. Okay. So let me just tell you right off the bat there are the, there are differences here but no contradictions. Differences, but we don't see any contradictions as of yet. We don't we we do not. Different accounts, different people have different things to say about it. So back up here to Matthew. So Matthew says to his disciples Or excuse me, Jesus said to his disciples, according to Matthew, you know that after two days is the Passover and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Then the chief priests, the scribes and the elders of the people assembled at the palace of the high priest who was called Caiaphas and plotted to take Jesus by trickery and kill him. But they said not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. So very, very similar uh, to uh, Luke and to Mark. Now. We see here in Matthew and in Mark, it goes right into the story of the anointing of Yeshua. Luke and John do not say that at all. In fact, the story of the anointing of Yeshua in Luke is in a different chapter. It's in a different place chronologically. Uh, Some pastors might tell you that it's it's a different. Account. It's a different account of um, of the uh, uh, you know it's a di- it's a different time. It's a it's a totally different event. But most scholars, most scholars agree that the story of the anointing of Yeshua in Luke chapter seventeen and in John chapter eight. Now, let me think now. Luke chapter 17 and, or no, not Luke okay. chapter 17, excuse me. Sorry, Luke chapter 7 and in John chapter 12. Now, you see Luke and John are out of uh, outer order in regards to the anointing of, of Yeshua. They're in different order. Uh, in Luke, it's w- way earlier, okay? Uh, in John, it's before... Um, Before the fact, Matthew, it is right after, um, you know, just before the Passover, just, just before the Passover. So right here, we have, ladies and gentlemen, a contradiction in regards to the chronological order of things. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John differ in regards to the chronological order. So again, I know some people and I know there'd be people who say, well, this is, this is, um, you know, this is, um, it is, uh, it's a different, it's a different, uh, it's a different story. It's a different, um, you know, uh, it's a different woman that, that anointed him at a different time. Well, I beg to differ with you. And most of the scholars in Christian Uh, in Christianity today, also differs with you if that's the position you take. So let's let's read Matthew and Mark together to begin with uh, because they're both in the same order. So Matthew says, And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil, and he poured it on his head as he sat at the table. Okay, Now, Mark, and being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask, very costly oil of spikenard. Um, Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. Okay, so Luke says, then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city, who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus was at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster, a- alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Okay, so this is quite a bit different as we see. Okay, Um, so this is uh, a woman, she anointed Yeshua's feet over here in Matthew, and in Mark, the anointing was on the head, not the feet. Okay, so um, John, it says, then six days before the Passover. Okay, so over here, it's two days before the Passover. Over in John, it's six days before the Passover. Jesus came to. just in case, in case you're wondering, uh, I do believe that is a, another contradiction. By the way, the Book of John is full of problems. Full, full, full of problems. The Gospel of John. Uh, so, I mean, we have uh, Matthew and Mark agree on the chrono- the chronological order of this. Um, John and Luke do not agree. In, in fact, John makes it very specific that it was six days before the Passover, whereas the other ones say it was two, two days before the Passover. I know someone might say, well, but, but John was on a different uh, calendar. Well, <laughs> you can make up all the excuses you want, but unless you, unless you present some good evidence of that, I'm not talking about speculation. I'm not talking about, you know, just um, a theory. Like, I, I want evidence of that. Evidence of that. And why would John be on a different calendar? Anyway. So, six days before the Passover, um, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead, who had been raised from the dead. And there made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. And Mary took a pound of very... Costly oil of spe- spikenard. Again, yeah, it's the same, the exact same thing here as specified in, in, in um, Mark. The exact same spice. Anointed his, anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. Okay, so it's very similar to Luke. And the house was filled with a fragrance of oil. Now, um, let's go back over here to Matthew in the top left-hand corner, starting in verse 8. But when the disciples saw it, they were, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. Okay, so that goes into the whole story about, it says, the disciples. Right, the disciples. Um, Mark says um this is mark 14 verse 4 but there were some who were indignant among them among themselves again some um meaning more than one who were indignant among themselves and said why was this fragrant oil wasted for it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor so uh, a denarii usually one denarii is the uh the amount of money that somebody would get for one day of work so 300 denarii would be like a year's wages give or take a year's wages it says here and and they criticized her sharply Uh, but jesus said let her alone okay um now let's go over here to luke It says, Now, when the Pharisee, now this is Luke chapter 7, verse 39. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, you have, uh, excuse me, I have something to say to you. So, this particular Pharisee, uh, his name was Simon. So he said, Teacher, say it. And so Yeshua goes on to say, There was a certain Creditor who had two debtors, one owed five hundred denarii and the other fifty, and when they had nothing w- with which to repay, he forgave he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? And Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. Uh, and he said to him, You have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet. Again, this is, it was uh, a practice back in those days when you have a visitor come to your house that you would wash their feet. Okay. So when Yeshua was washing the feet of his disciples, it was nothing out of the ordinary. It was a common practice back in those days. Like I said before, in my recent, my, um, uh, one of my more recent videos, different video, I covered that whole topic, uh, where, um, it was, uh, Genesis chapter 18, we have um, Abraham that did the same thing to the angels that came to, to visit him. He washed their feet. Now, if my memory serves me correctly, it's 1 Samuel chapter 25, when Abigail, uh, the then-to-be future wife of King David, did the same thing to the servants of King David when they came to get her for to uh, you know to take her as wife, she washed their feet. And so this is it was a common practice to do that. Um, okay, so this is Yeshua talking to Simon the Pharisee, according to Luke chapter 7. I, I entered your, heart, your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but, uh, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. So, uh, so that's basically the end of that story there. Uh, Luke chapter 8 Um is a different goes into a different story okay so um whereas let's say john john 12 verse 4 says one of his disciples but one of his disciples judas iscariot simon's son who would betray him said why why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor now again this uh, it, you know someone might say is this a contradiction um I believe it is. Uh, although, if you want to say it's not, then I give you that because it, maybe you can say, oh, you know, you know, Matthew and Mark says there were many uh, that that said this, and John says there was one of his disciples that said this. So, you know, perhaps you know you can you can reconcile those two. I don't necessarily buy that reconciliation, but you can reconcile those two saying, well, Matthew made it made a point that everybody, and not everybody, but a lot of people said this. Mark also being the other witness saying, yes, a lot of people said this, but John, he didn't want you to know about that. He just only wanted you to know about the one. Okay. However, I think it's, I still think it's a contradiction, honestly, but because uh, why didn't John, again, if it's not accurate, if it's, or if it's not, if it doesn't say it plainly, if it doesn't say it, um, if if it doesn't say it clearly, uh I think how I put it earlier, if it is if it doesn't say it like it really is, then it's not accurate. So again, um, take it for what you take it for what it is. Um, so anyway, so according to John, it was only Judas said this verse six, then he, not that he cared for the poor, but because then he, excuse me, this, he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was it, what was put in it. So Judas was a thief according to John, but Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this day for, for the day of my burial. For the poor, you you uh, you have with you always, but me, you do not always have. You do not have always. Excuse me. Okay, so um, let's go back here to Matthew, Matthew chapter twenty six, verse eleven. Says says the same thing for the poor you you uh, for you have the poor with you always so i mean this is this is like one of the many many different reasons why scholars say that all four gospels speak of the same event i mean what are the chances of the woman having exactly the same kind of perfume and exactly the same way uh, of, of you know uh in in a, in a pharisee's house or you know um Jesus saying exactly the same thing and the people responding exactly the same way. You know, what are the chances of that? And again, this is not, o- this is not the only reason. So don't, you know, don't go on and shoot a, you know, a, a, a comment in the live chat thinking that I'm, that I've covered it all. No, I've not covered it all. Before you leave a, uh, before you leave a, a comment in the live chat, please understand, uh, there's a lot more than that we've covered here. But let's continue here in, in Matthew 26, going on with verse 12. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. So again, talking, saying, speaking in exactly the same way. And as you see, as always, the Gospel of John is way out of order. It's not chronologically in line with the rest of them. Verse 13 of Matthew 26. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever this... Go- Wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Well, you know what? That is true. We have, you know, we are on the other side of the world right now. And, uh, and we have this account. Um, going down to Mark. Jesus said, let her alone. Now, again, keep in mind, Mark and Matthew, according to those Gospels, Jesus is actually talking to more than just one. He's talking to a group of people, and they don't even mention Judas in regards to Judas being upset with the perfume being poured on his feet. Matthew 4, Mark 14, excuse me, verse 6, but Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. For you, have the poor with you always, and wherever you you wish, you may do do them good. But me, whom you do not have always, me you do not have always. So Mark, Mark, um, he words it different. He words it different than the, than, the, uh, uh, than the than the other ones. Quite a bit different than the other ones. It's the same meaning, pretty much, but it's different wording. Verse 8. She has done what she could. Again, this is a concept of the Torah. The Torah expects you to do whatever you can. She has become, or she has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. It's, it's the same exact thing as what was said in John. Okay? Same exact same thing as what was said in Matthew. Verse 9, Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will, be, will also be told as a memorial to her. Now, again, please understand this whole idea of memorial, because this, this goes just like a 747, just like a 747 over the heads of many Christians. Just whoosh, they don't understand this at all. As a memorial. I guess that means that as in memory of. No, 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 no. Yeshua is talking about a Torah concept here. See, in the Torah, in the law of God, when you give, when you do something like this, when you give something to the poor, or when you do something for somebody in need, that you are actually purchasing. It's what they call atonement money. It's atonement money in, in the Torah. And according to that, that, quote-unquote, atonement money will be brought up as a memorial for you. So so the whole idea of this, um, when this woman took a very valuable thing, which equaled a year's wages and poured it out for for Yeshua, that was her atonement offering, basically. Uh, and, And the same principles applied as what Happened in the Torah, you know, Yeshua when he when he spoke these things, when Jesus spoke these things in this way, he wasn't just you know it wasn't just some cool lingo that that it, that it, you know pertained only to Jesus. It was it was straight from the Torah. In that, may I say, in context to the rest of Scripture, that is the reason why this woman was forgiven so much. She was forgiven so much because of her "quote unquote" atonement money, according to the Torah. That's why the memorial came up before her, and this is exactly the same. You say, "Okay, well, that was in the times of the Old Testament." That 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 just uh, you know that that just goes in the in with the Old Testament. Uh, excuse me, sorry. Acts chapter ten, after the death of after the resurrection, after the ascension of Yeshua, Cornelius. The same thing applied to him. He gave alms. Again, in the context of Scripture, that is what the Torah calls atonement money. He gave alms. He was a Gentile, yet his sins were atoned for. And also, the angel made it very clear to him because of that, the alms, his prayer came up as a, guess what? It's a word that's in the Torah. It starts with M, you know what I'm talking about. Came up as a memorial. Okay, so anyway, that's kind of like a little side. What do you call it? That's a side, uh, side thing. This is Christians rip themselves off so much because they do not know what you should do. Is you should study and learn the law of God first. Christians tell you that, well, the gospel, you know, the New Testament is based on the Old Testament. The Old Testament is the foundation, but the New Testament is built on it. And most Christians do not know the Old Testament very well. The only thing they know about the law is what they've heard from their favorite pastor or evangelist is, well, in order to get forgiveness of sin, you must do sacrifice, you know, the blood must cover it. That's not what it says. That's not what it says. So these people are ignorant. Christians are ignorant because their leaders are ignorant. Their leaders are ignorant because the teachers in their seminaries, cemeteries are ignorant. Okay. You need to study. As your favorite, favorite apostle would say, study to show yourself approved. Study what? When Paul wrote that to Timothy, He wasn't talking about his own letter. It was a personal letter to Timothy. He was talking about the Scripture, what was included, what was was considered to be Scripture in those days. Certainly not Paul's letters. It was years after the fact, before anybody ever, ever even thought about calling it Scripture. Paul was talking to Timothy personally. It was a personal letter. And so when he said to Timothy, study to show yourself approved, there's only one thing you can study. There's only one thing he was talking about. That was the scriptures that were that were considered to be scriptures in in those days. That was the Tanakh, the Torah, the Neviim, the Ketuvim, aka quote unquote Old Testament. Moving on. Okay, so in Luke, it's chronologically out of order compared to Matthew and Mark. So is it way out of order in in uh, in John as well. Okay, so John. If you you have to go back to John chapter eighteen, so John chapter eighteen, John skipped the whole thing about um, about the plot to kill Jesus. Okay, he skipped that whole entire thing. The anointing at Bethany is completely in a different place in John. Okay, um, Luke. He he didn't he, the Luke uh, Luke did not skip the plot to c- kill Jesus, but he did put the anointing of of Yeshua's of Yeshua in a different place. Now again, there is a difference between Matthew and Luke and Mark and John, and that is the anointing of the head versus the anointing of the feet. Doesn't say anything in Luke or John about the anointing of the head directly, but it, it doesn't say anything about anointing the feet in Matthew and Mark. Okay, okay, so in Luke chapter twenty two, um, let's see where we left off here. Verse three, I believe it was. Uh, John. Again, he just went right to the, uh, he just went right to Gethsemane. He didn't talk about anything else. John didn't talk about anything else. John skipped a lot of stuff here. Okay, so Matthew 26, 14. Uh, Let me see if I can try to get, I guess Luke chapter 22, verse 3 would be chronologically more, uh, it would be before that. Okay, okay, let's read the first verse here. Uh, Luke chapter 22, verse 3. Then Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. Okay, so... We don't have that in any of the other Gospels. Okay, so that's a difference, not necessarily a contradiction. Don't get me wrong. That's a difference. So Luke says that Satan entered Judas. So basically, Judas was possessed of the devil, or at least had the devil come into him. Uh, Going on to verse 4 in Luke 22. So he went his way and conferred with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. So he promised and sought opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of the multitude. So he didn't want to betray, the, betray him in front of anybody. He wanted to do it secretly. Uh, Matthew 26, verse 14, then, then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? Okay, so this is, uh, Matthew has more detail here. And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. So uh, from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. Okay, so um, that brings us to pretty much the same spot there in Matthew and Luke. Mark, Judas Iscariot, one of the 12, went to the chief priest to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money, uh, so he sought how he might conveniently betray him. So, Mark and Luke are very, very uh, similar in that sense, in the way it is spoken. Um, just saying, you know, they agreed to give him money, and this could be why you know scholars believe that Mark was like a source for Luke and Matthew. So, Matthew goes on, um. Matthew 26, verse 17, now on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying to him, where do you want us to prepare you to eat the Passover? Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? Mark says, now it was the first day of Unleavened Bread when they killed the Passover lamb his disciples said to him, where do you want us to go and prepare that you may eat the Passover? So this is where they killed the Passover lamb. It's got a footnote here. And it says where they sacrificed the Passover lamb. Luke says, then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us. That we may eat, so it's different. It's different because in Matthew and in Mark, we have Yeshua saying, or excuse me, it's the disciples that came to Yeshua and said, Where do you want us to prepare the Passover to eat the Passover? Uh, same with you know, Mark as well, where do you want us to go and prepare that you may eat the Passover? Whereas in Luke. None, no such thing is recorded here. It says that, that Yeshua himself and Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat. So they said to him, where do you want us to prepare? So now they said, now it, it comes into where do you want us to, to prepare? Um, so again, this is a difference, not necessarily a contradiction, because, uh, I mean, it could have been that Yeshua did Initiate the whole conversation uh, with Peter and John, and they responded by this, but it just wasn't recorded in Ma- in Mark and or in Matthew. Again, John, the Gospel of John, completely leaves that out. It's not there. Um, let me just let me just quickly scroll here through the Gospel of John. Yeah, so very very different. Again this is one of the reasons why the gospel of John is not considered to be part of the synoptic gospels it's so different and not in not just is not that it's diff, just different but it's again it's out of order the very very small percentage of what we have in the synoptic gospels that is shared with the gospel of John only 7% they say okay don't quote me on that because i haven't confirmed that i you know sources do say that it was there's only seven percent some say perhaps up to ten percent but seven to ten percent of john is found in the synoptic gospels but the but the stuff that's in the gospel of john is out of order like we just read about the anointing of jesus feet out of order with the rest of the gospels i know this is a little bit of a rabbit trail here it's not necessarily on the topic but again uh the um sometimes the passion uh, the word the passion of Jesus or the, the passion of the uh, of Christ um, entails the triumph triumphant entry into Jerusalem as well uh, when Yeshua goes into the you know into Jerusalem and uh, like Palm Sunday and um, overturns the tables too. But in John, that overturning the tables is in the beginning of his ministry, or at least, it appears to be in the beginning of his ministry because of the chronological order of it. Whereas the Synoptic Gospels, that particular event is in, is at the end of his ministry. Again, the Gospel of John is just way out of order. Way out of order. The very little bit that the Gospel of John shares with the rest of the Gospels is out of order. For the most part. I mean, we, we shared the, the anointing of, of, of Jesus' head slash and or feet. and. Um, the triumphant uh, entry into um, Jerusalem, the turning of the tables, the the cleansing of the temple—if you want to put it that way—so um, keep that in mind. By the way, those of you who are on uh, TikTok or Podbean or even the new people that are on YouTube right now, just before I forget, before you forget, um, don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to follow. Don't forget to leave a like as well. Um, don't want to I don't want to lose you guys, okay, I don't want to lose you guys. Um, okay, so let's get back to the drawing board. so luke chapter twenty two verse ten, and he said to them, behold, when you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. follow him into the house where he entered, which he enters. Then you shall say to the master of the house, the teacher, the teacher, this word teacher is actually rabbi in the original, the the rabbi, the rabbi says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large furnished upper room where, uh, there make ready. Again, John completely, it's not even there, um, in Matthew 26, he says, Go into a certain city. Uh, let me see, Luke here, just wanted to see what it says here. Go. Behold, when you have entered the city. So Matthew says, When you go to a certain city and say to and say to him, the teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep I will keep the passover at your house with my disciples. Um here in Luke it says the teacher says to you where is the guest room where I may eat the passover with my disciples similar different but similar Mark and he said to and he sent out two of his disciples again um so this would have been according to Luke if it, if it's if you can even um Uh, If you can even compare the two, it seems to be that those two disciples are Peter and John. Okay. He sends out two of his disciples in in Mark chapter 14, verse 13, and said to them, go into the city and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him wherever he goes in. Say to the master of the house, the teacher says, where is the guest room? in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples. Then he will show you a large upper room furnished and prepared. There, make ready for us. Okay. There we go. Um, Matthew 26, 19. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. Luke 22, uh, 13. So they went and found it just as he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover. Mark chapter 14 so his disciples went out and came into the city, and they found it just as he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover. Again, a little bit of an FYI for you guys. Uh, the Gospel of John has Jesus the whole thing, the whole the whole thing's way out chronologically way off. Because the Gospel of John has Jesus like dying like before the Passover, or it's like Really weird, okay, compared to the rest of it. And that is, by the way, a contradiction in the Gospel of John. No, not surprising to me, not surprising to me, the Gospel of John, again, is, has got a lot of problems. Not to say that it's all false, don't get me wrong. It's a lot of good things, you know, to read in there and a lot of, uh, a lot of good information. Definitely should be part of your, your library and your study. Okay, so um, Matthew chapter 26, verse 20. When evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. Now, as they were eating, he said, "Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Okay, so this is right into the Lord's Supper. Luke chapter 22. When the hour had come, he sat down, and the twelve apostles with him. Then he said to them with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is finished, fulfilled, in the king in the kingdom of God. Okay, so that's not said at all in Matthew. Okay, and Mark. Verse uh, four or chapter fourteen, verse seventeen. In the evening, he came with the twelve. Now, as they sat and ate, Jesus said, "Assuredly, I say to you, one of you who eats will be will, be, will, will betray me." Okay, so let's see what we have here in Luke, um, Luke chapter twenty-two, verse seventeen. Then he took the cup. So he's well into the. Uh, to the meal here in Luke chapter 22 and that whole thing of betrayal is in a different, uh, isn't, is not even mentioned in Luke at all. Okay. A lot of different things here in Luke. Luke, Luke chapter 22, verse 17, Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Again, that's not even in John at all. Matthew 26, verse 22, And they were exceedingly sorrowful, and each one of them began to say, Lord, is is it I? So, talking about the betrayal. Again, in Luke, where do we have the betrayal? Where do we have the betrayal? So it's 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 comp- It's quite different here in Luke. Let me just read on here. Um, verse 19, he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave to them, saying, uh, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is... The new covenant in my blood, um, which is shed for you. Uh, but behold, the hand of the betrayer is with me on the table, and truly the Son of Man goes into goes as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed! Then they began to question among themselves which of them it was who would do do this thing. Okay, so. Um, so according to Luke chapter 22 the Yeshua pointed out that there the, the betrayer is there with him at the table after the bread and after the cup let's see what we got here in Matthew Matthew 26 um, yeah it was right at the be- very beginning in Matthew 26 Right? So that is, if you want to look at it in chronological order, that is a contradiction. Whereas Luke has uh, Jesus saying that basically that Judas would betray him after the fact, not before. Whereas in Matthew, it, it has uh, before, uh, and in Mark, it, it's it's before as well. Well, let's read here in Matthew. Um, so Matthew twenty six twenty two and they were exceedingly sorrowful, and each of them began to say uh, to him, Lord, is it I? He answered and said, he who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. That is a very, very heavy. That's heavy, isn't it? Can you just imagine? I know it would be difficult for anybody to imagine this, but can you just imagine? The Lord himself telling you. Can you imagine? The Lord Jesus, sweet, loving, kind Jesus. The Lord himself telling you that it would It would have been better if you would not have even been born. That's heavy. When Jesus, when the Lord himself says something like that to somebody, it would have been better. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Wow. Verse four, um, excuse me, Mark chapter 14. In the evening he came with the 12. Uh, So now... Um as they sat and ate, let me just pat let me just back up here. Um, so as they sat and ate, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you who eats with me will betray me. And they began to be sorrowful and say to him one by one, Is it I? And another said, Is it I? Uh, Now, again, earlier, I think I said that Mark says it was after the fact, but apparently in in this particular context, it says basically as they sat and ate. um, It's different, that's for sure. Uh, Verse 20, he answered and said to them, it is one of the 12 who dips with me in the dish. Now, this is a clear sign of actually doing like a Passover Seder. Dipping in the dish, dipping, and for those of you who are not familiar with this, this is like the dipping of the uh, the uh, bitter herbs in the dish. They have dish of you know, typically traditionally, it's like a salt water, this kind of thing. Um but uh yeah, so this is a very clear sign that Yeshua actually did eat a Passover meal. Now keep in mind in the Gospel of John, he didn't eat the Passover meal, he was long gone before then, which is Again, sorry, Gospel John, a contradiction. Yes, it is. So, um, Matthew, Mark 14, 21, The Son of Man indeed goes, just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had never been born. Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. Now in Matthew we have a different, uh, different account here. Uh, Matthew uh, twenty six twenty five. Then Judas, one of the uh, one who was betraying him, answered and said, "Rabbi, is it I?" And he said, "You have said it." In other words, yeah, it is you. So in Matthew, uh, Jesus clearly publicly identifies the betrayer. In Mark, in, we don't seem to see that. In Luke. Um, yeah, so we got a lot of extra stuff going on here in Luke. Okay. Yeah, Luke is like a cross between Mark and and John, um, in this instance, yeah, very, very, very different. As you can see, it's kind of hard to follow along in certain places here because we have so much difference. Again, when I say difference, I'm not talking about contradiction, although we see that there there is contradictions here. Um, and we'll see more as we go along. So in Matthew 26, 26, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. In the, in the footnote here, blessed, it says, gave thanks for. By the way, by the way, you guys, you guys probably seen, you know, you got Christians who say, quote unquote, say grace for their for their meal. And you guys probably heard this many times. I've heard this many times, way too more than I, than I should have heard it. Um, and that is, you know, people, you know, Christians, right? When they, they have a meal set before them, and they're like, you know, they say, okay, let's say grace. And they say, you know, well, oh, dear God, bless this food to our body. You know, bless, it, bless this food to our body for nourishment in the name of Jesus. Amen. Kind of thing like that. That's the wrong way to do it. It's the wrong way to do it. You do not bless your food. You bless God for your food. You thank God for your food. You don't bless your food. You're not called to bless your food. If your food is good, i.e., not against the law of God, i.e., you know, you're following the instruction, the dietary laws, and the dietary instructions of God. Guess what? God God blesses. will bless your food. He'll bless you for following his, his instructions. But you're not supposed to bless the food. Right? The food is not like an idol or like a God that you're supposed to bless. You bless God for your food. That's how it's supposed to work. So you know, in this particular instance here, Matthew 26, 26, where it says, And they were eating. Jesus took the bread, blessed and broke. Uh, blessed. In another uh, manuscript, it says gave gave thanks for, in other words, blessed God (laughs) and broke the bread, okay, Uh, and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. He took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is the blood. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for uh, many for the remission of sins. Um. Yeah, verse twenty nine. For I say to you, I uh, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. So we read we read this over and over throughout the Gospels, and that is that Yeshua did not he did not um, drink of. The 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 wine or the grape juice, and I personally believe. Um, and again, this isn't different. This is like a, this is a different topic, a different subject. But um, I believe he didn't do it because of the Nazarite vow. I believe that he was a, a Nazarite, and uh, and as such, he could not do it. That's why he said, "I'll drink it new with you in my father's kingdom." In other words, I'll do it later on after my vow is closed, after my vow is done with, after I fulfill my vow. Um, I'll do that later, but but not now. Mark chapter 14, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed, again, and blessed, blessed what? The bread, no, blessed God, and broke the bread, and gave it to them, and said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they and they drank, they all drank from it. And he said to them, this is my this is my blood of the new covenant, which is said for many. Assuredly, I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, I'd like to know what hymn they sang, wouldn't you? And when they sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Matthew says the same thing. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Now, I I don't know what hymn they sang, but I would highly, highly, highly suspect that they sang one of the Psalms. That's because the Psalms, by the way, the book of Psalms was their hymn book back in those days, They didn't have the, you know, your typical Christian, how great thou art hymn book, you know. They had the Psalms as their hymn book. And you know how beautiful and wonderful it would be if Christians today, if every church, instead of singing, you know, modern Christian hymns that, or modern Christian CCM, contemporary Christian music, that pick and choose out of the Psalms which verses that they like to sing because it tickles their ears, Wouldn't it be wonderful if they actually sang psalms and not just a few verses? Sing the whole psalm. After all, it is the whole song, And you you see some of these psalms are so clearly talking of Yeshua and his crucifixion. Psalm 22, Psalm 69, many others. I mean, we went through several of these psalms. In the past week or so, couple of weeks, uh, and you you know you know for those of you who actually have uh, been with me low these many evenings, many uh, days, uh, you have um, you know you know what I mean. The Psalms are Yeshua speaking first person, first person. Okay, back to the drawing board. Luke chapter 22 and they began to question among themselves which of them it was who would do these do this thing. Now, then we go into the disciples argued about greatness. So I'm not going to go into this cuz this is not even in any of the other um this really doesn't really have much of anything to do with um the passion at all so but i mean this is a very interesting thing right here where yeshua told the 12 disciples that they will sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of israel assumedly that one of the disciples for each of the 12 tribes judges um jesus predict predicts peter's denial like we have that here in matthew and mark so let's compare that Let's start with Matthew. Matthew 26, 31. Jesus said to them all, or excuse excuse me, Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble, in the footnotes, will be caused to take offense at me. Uh, Can you imagine that? All of them will be offended. Because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Let's go over to Luke. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon. Indeed, Satan has asked for you. Now, let me see if we. Uh, again, it is quite different, quite different. Um, because it is so different. Uh, let me just see here. Yeah, because Luke is so different, let's do Mark first. Right? So Mark is closer to in this particular pass, in this verse, it's closer to Matthew. Let's do this. uh, Mark chapter 14, verse 27. Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble, will be made to offend. You will be offended at me because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But I have been but after I've been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. That's exactly what he said in Matthew as well. But after I've been raised, I will go you, go before you to Galilee. Um... There's a different account here in Luke, quite, quite a bit different. So before we, re- we read Luke, let's get to, um, let's read Matthew's account first of what what uh, the interaction between Yeshua and Peter. Uh, Matthew twenty six thirty three. Peter answered and said to him, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble ever notice Peter is is well known for being rash with his mouth and with his actions, by the way. I mean, he's the first one to run into the tomb. He's the first one to walk on the water. He's the first one to speak up saying, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He's the first one to speak up in the book of Acts. Uh, You know, and and he's like, he's pretty rash sometimes uh, with his mouth. In Mark 14 29, excuse me, Peter said to him, even if All are made to stumble, yet I will not be. Back up to Matthew 26, 34. Jesus said to him, Assuredly I say to you that this night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. Matthew or Mark 14 says the same thing. Verse 30 Jesus said to him, Assuredly I say to you that today, even this night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he spoke more vehemently, If I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said likewise. So it's very, very similar to Matthew there. Now let's go to Mark or Luke, I should say. Luke is quite a bit different. Quite a bit different. Luke chapter 22, verse 31. And Luke said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Simon, Satan. Notice that Luke has a lot to say about Satan, right? It's the same, it's the same gospel up here that said, now let me just pull up here. Um, Luke, Luke likes to mention Satan a lot here. Because up here in verse 3, and then Satan entered Judas. So the other ones, Matthew, Mark, and of course John is out of the picture. They don't mention that at all about Satan, but uh, Luke likes to do that. So the Lord said to Simon uh, said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan ha- has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. That's pretty comfor- comforting, isn't it? that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Again, this is different, quite a bit different than Matthew and Mark. And he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. And then Yeshua goes into talking about um, supplies for the road. Supplies for the road. Um, now, this is different here. Let me just see. Uh, supplies for the road. Now, Matthew goes right into the prayer of, in the garden, okay? Um, the arrest at Gethsemane. Okay. Um, prayer in the garden. Just excuse me here while I. There's the prayer in the garden there. Okay. So according to Luke, uh, the prayer in the garden is after the whole thing about supplies for the road. Um, so Luke twenty two thirty five, 35. Uh, he said to them, uh, when I sent. You, without money bag, knapsack, and sandals, did you lack anything? So they said nothing. And he said to them, But now he who has a money bag, let him take it, and likewise a knapsack, and he who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say to you that this which is written must be accomplished in me, quote, And he he was numbered with the transgressors, unquote. For the things concerning me, the things concerning me have an end. So they said, "Lord, look, here are two swords." And he said to them, "It is enough." Very interesting. Um, just give me a second here. Okay, so let's do it in Matthew 26, prayer in the garden, verse 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to the disciples, sit here while I go pray over there. Let's see what Mark says. And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. Okay, different, obviously, different. Luke chapter twenty-two. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives, as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, "Pray that you wit- may that you may not enter into temptation." So. Uh, and he was and he was withdrawn from them about a, st- a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, if, it, "If Father, it's your will, take this cup from me." Okay, so this is the same prayer, but in a, a different place. I'm like guys, you guys there in the live chat. It appears to be a different place. It went to the Mount of Olives in Luke. Okay. In Mark and in Matthew, it was Gethsemane. In Luke, it's the Mount of Olives. Matthew and in Lo- Mark is Gethsemane. Again, Luke. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives, as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. And he came to the the place, and he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and knelt down and prayed, Father, if it's your will. So he goes right into that whole thing, which we didn't even get to yet in Matthew. Um, So, okay, so again in Matthew he's he's in gethsemane uh verse 37 he said he uh, and he took with him peter and the two sons of zebedee and james and john and he began to be sorrowful and deeply dist- deeply distressed by the way guys this is another another piece of evidence here that peter james and john ha- was part of the inner circle of yeshua yeshua Apparently, it liked them more and gave them VIP access as opposed to the other nine students, disciples. Peter, James, and John went up the Mount of Transfiguration where the other nine did not. Peter, James, and John went into uh, for the raising of the dead, at least on that one account, where the other nine did not. Peter, James, and John here was with Yeshua basically when he was praying, whereas... The other nine was not. Keep in mind, when you're reading a gospel or when you're reading a book in the New Testament, ask yourself, who wrote this book? And what level of authority do they have? What experience do they have? Now, the greatest or the most central, the source would be Yeshua himself. We know that Yeshua himself did not write a book. So we don't have a book from Jesus. But we have Peter, James, and John. Okay. Apparently, they wrote books. We have all the other nine disciples. Now we have some of them that, you know, in the quote unquote New Testament Apocrypha that wrote books. On the outside of the outside, okay, on the outside of the outside of the outside, we have the Apostle Paul. He was not even there. Okay. So the nine disciples had way more experience way more training way more dollars than Paul ever had whenever you're whenever you're reading a book of the new testament you need you need to ask yourself this because that determines everything if you're reading a legit document that was dictated or written by peter or james or john then you know you got like the the inside scoop you've got the vip Access, you've got the inside story, okay? You know that this is the real deal. Any of the other disciples, you know, like for example, like Thomas, for example, if the gospel of Thomas is legit, the gospel of Th- like Thomas would have way more authority than Paul ever had and never will have. But you need to ask these questions when you're reading New Testament books. Not every book was created equal, just like Jesus never treated every one of his disciples equal either. Peter, James, and John got the inside scoop. We know that he finally put James to be, uh, James was the one who who, uh, was designated as the ruler of the, the leader of the church after Yeshua left the scene. Okay, so, so he took with him Peter, James, and John, or P- Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful. Even to death, stay here and watch with me. Uh, this whole idea of watching is not necessarily only looking around with your eyes and keeping six, okay? Okay. He's not only just saying, you know, get my six, bud, but rather pray with me. Watch and pray, okay? Verse 39. And then he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, Oh, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Again, this is a figure of speech. This is a euphemism. Let this cup pass for me, this cup of wrath. Let's look at Mark chapter 14, what Mark says. Um, again, he's in Gethsemane, uh, verse 33, he said he took Peter, James, and John with him and he began to, to be troubled and deeply distressed. And he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch, stay here and watch. Again, this means prayer as well as just, you know, just watching the prayer as well. For, uh, actually, I should say foremost, uh, primarily and foremost prayer. It's almost like code, you know? It's code. Watch for me, bud. Watch for me. Pray. Pray for me. Mark 14, 35, he went a little farther, fell on the ground, and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Okay, so um, back to Luke chapter 22. In Luke chapter 22, he's is on the Mount of Olives. Now again, contradiction seems like it. Verse uh, 41, and he was withdrawn from them above a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, "Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done." Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. i tell you one thing. If an angel appeared while I was praying, I think I would pray more earnestly too. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Now, we don't read that in Matthew or Mark. And, of course, John is long gone when it comes to this kind of topic. The Gospel of John, I mean. Verse 45 of Luke 22 says, When he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping with sorrow, or from sorrow, and said to them, Why do you sleep? Rise and pray lest you enter into temptation. Okay, so that goes overlaps Matthew 26, 40. Then he came to his disciples and found them sleeping and said, Peter, said to Peter, What could you not watch with me? One hour, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So in Matthew, he points out, he he really kind of rubs it in when it comes to Peter. Um, interesting that Luke kind of emphasizes this whole thing about temptation. Because earlier on, he says that Yeshua... Said, pray that you will, may not enter into temptation. That's verse forty, and then he mentions this: uh, rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation again. In verse forty-six, now, okay, goes right into the whole uh, scene of the arrest. After that, um, let me just see here. So. In Luke, it seems like he was he was not he was withdrawn from them a stone's throw, withdrawn from the disciples. It seems like he was withdrawn from all the disciples. Whereas in Matthew, he wasn't withdrawn from them because he took Peter, James, and John with him. Um, Mark. Same thing. he took B, uh, Peter, James, and John with him. He wasn't really withdrawn from the disciples as he was in the book of Luke. Um, so matthew twenty six forty then he came to his dis- to the disciple found them sleeping and said to Peter, What could you not watch with me one hour?' Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time he went away and prayed, O oh my father, if, if this cup cannot pass from me, away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left and went, uh, went away again. you got to wonder, who is it that actually informed Matthew about this stuff, if they were all asleep? Who was it that informed Matthew about all this stuff? How did Matthew know if they were all if everybody was asleep? verse forty four, and he left them and went away again and prayed a third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said, "Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of man is is betrayed into the hand of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See my betrayer is at hand." Okay, so by the way, guys, uh, before we get too far here, I'm gonna go into like, you know, the arrest here. We'll see how much time we have tonight. If we don't have enough time, we'll go into the crucifixion uh, another night. And then the resurrection, perhaps even Sabb um, you know, Saturday, um, for our, our Sabbath uh thing, just to kind of do it in tandem with with the actual feast itself. Um Let's let's continue. Uh, so, then Matthew goes right into the betrayal and arrest. Okay, Mark fourteen, verse thirty six, and he says, "Abba, Father, all things are possible for me. For you, uh, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not not what I will, but what you will." And he came and found them sleeping, and said to Peter, Simon. Are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the and he went away and prayed both the same words. And he he uh, when he returned, he found them sleeping again. Their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came a third time and said, "Are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us." Be going, see my betrayers at hand. So it appears like he wants to run away. It appears like he wants to run away here. He doesn't want to be arrested. He doesn't want to be arrested in in Mark. Um, Now, also notice in Luke, Luke does not mention the prayer three times. He only mentions the prayer once. Right? Luke does not mention the other two times at all. So if you take it at face value, Luke would say it only happened once. Now again, I know you can reconcile it and say, well, it did happen three times, but Luke only just chose to mention the one time <laughs> out of the three times. Well, okay. Okay. You want to say that? Okay. Again, um, it's it's questionable. And John, of course, again, is, is completely out of the scene. Uh, Matthew 26, verse t- uh, 47. And while he was speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude, with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Um, okay. I mean, just Mark chapter fourteen. I said I'm okay because I'm thinking about how 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 can I even try to merge John in with this because John is so so different. Um, Mark fourteen verse forty three. And immediately, while he was still speaking, Judas one and the twelve, with a great multitude. With swords and clubs came from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now his betrayer had given them a signal. Okay, so let's before we go to the, before we get to the signal, let's again let's let's go to see what Luke has to say. And while he was still speaking, behold, a multitude, uh, and he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near to, to Jesus to kiss him. Okay, so uh I have a hunch about something here before I get. Let me see here. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let me just quickly take a look at this before I tell you guys what I'm thinking. Um, if it indeed is what I'm thinking, then it is. It's actually amazing. Um, let me see here. Uh, yeah um it actually is um okay let's let's do this John uh, it's hard to describe this and from what I you know I I tell you what guys I am learning with you guys because I'm learning as we go and I am seeing more and more right now in real time guys in real time you guys are witnessing you're watching me uh I, I'm I'm just amazed at what I'm seeing here because I've heard about this from the scri- from these scholars that th- a lot of scholars believe that John 14, 15, 16 and 17 were all uh, first of all John 14 was was uh uh, interp- it was uh, interjected by another author of the of uh, the Gospel. John wasn't wasn't uh, quote-unquote John himself that put that in there, but rather was somebody else that just decided to slip it in between John 13 and 18. And then John 15, 16, and 17, and there are scholars who believe that John 15, 16, and 17 have, have uh, been added by an anonymous source long after the fact. Because of the of the uh the flow of the, the gospel of John. Let me explain. John 13. Now I know sometimes John 13 talks about Jesus washes his disciples' feet. Okay. Um, and then it talks about Jesus identifies as his betrayer. Now, this here, we I did not actually read this with the other ones. Um Because right here, Jesus identifies Judas. Okay, we'll we'll read that. Uh, Then he goes into something else here. Then Jesus predicts Peter's denial. We'll read that as well. Now, it seems like right there is where... John 18, right after this is where John 18 should start. Because John 18 goes into, because you see, um, John 18, this would be more in line, this would be more in tune with the Synoptic Gospels. If John 14, 15, 16, and 17 were taken out. Because John 13 flows together with John 18 as per the other synoptic gospels. Okay. Because you see John 13 talks about the, uh, uh, Peter's denial and so on and so forth. And then John 18 goes into, um, the betrayal and arrest. So compare that for example, with, um, Matthew 26, uh, just a second here. Matthew 26, uh, we have, okay, so Jesus predicts Peter's denial, okay? And then after that, the prayer, and then after the prayer, the arrest, okay? So in Mark, it's the same way. Jesus predicts, uh, let me see here. Jesus predicts Peter's denial, after that, the prayer, and then goes right into the arrest. Luke is very much the same, okay? So, we have Jesus predicts Peter's denial, after that, the prayer, and then goes into the arrest. John is not like that. There is John 14, 15, 16, and 17, wedged in there between the story like this kind of goes somewhat along with the synoptic gospels John 13 right cuz you got you've got the um the new commit, predicts the uh, predicts Jesus predicts Peter's denial okay uh and also talks about the um the betrayer talks about Judas. So this this kind of goes somewhat chronologically. Um, but then John 14 messes it all up. And in John 15, 16, 17 is even worse. And this is the reason why scholars believe that there are multiple authors of the Gospel of John. And that it wasn't even the true disciple of John that actually wrote it. But it was someone else that was somehow labeled John. But not... And then there were these other... Authors that threw in all these other things in the middle, like how we got, uh, for example, John chapter 8 as well, where we have, well, actually, John chapter 7, verses 57, all the way through to John chapter 8, verse 11, where that whole story is interjected in there, wedged in there. It's not found in any of the old manuscripts from John. So, what John should be, it should be going from John, actually, John 18 should be John 14. Let me explain. John 14. Actually, let's see if I can do this. Uh, uh, you know what? Let me, I was going to make it full screen, but I don't want to mess it up. John 14. Okay. Um, it goes into a whole new thing that nobody's ever, no, no one else has ever bothered to mention. Matthew, Luke, Mark. No one has ever bothered to mention, especially, you know, the most one of the most famous evangelical phrases of all time, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Well, apparently, Matthew, Mark, and Luke did not think, either one, they did not know about this. <laughs> or two, they did, and they didn't think it was important enough to put in. Or three, the Gospel of John is not correct in this. It was fabricated. I mean that's that's the only choices we have, folks. it's the only choices. there's no other logical there's no other logical logical conclusion we can come to. okay, so John chapter 14, you know in the midst of this whole thing about Peter's denial and you know after after identifying Judas and talking about Peter's denial, the Last Supper, yada, 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 then he goes into talking about I am the way, the truth and the life, whereas no other no other gospel mentioned this. And the Father revealed through him, you know, I and the Father are, you know, uh, all this kind of thing. Show me the Father, you know, show me the Father and, uh, you know, you see me, you have seen the Father, all that kind of stuff. Again, all these things are just so, so important in in much of Christendom, in much of the modern Christian narrative. But but somehow, for some reason, and it's got to be one of those three reasons that I mentioned, Matthew, Mark, and Luke does not mention that at all. You'd think something like that. If it was legit, it would have been something that every one of these people, including Paul himself, would have, would have uh, put in his writings. But none of them did. And to think about it, Polycarp, you know, Polycarp was supposed to be, uh, well, Polycarp was, it's, it's, it's a fact, historical fact that Polycarp was John, the legit John's disciple, John as in Peter, James and John as in one of the inner three of the, uh, uh, the inner circle of the three disciples, the three of the nine, Uh, Polycarp was uh, a close uh, disciple of John and Polycarp didn't mention any of this stuff that's in John 14 if you saw the Father if you've seen the Father you've seen me and I am the way the truth and life none of that stuff is in there Um, anyway let's go on John chapter 14 the indwelling of the Father and all this kind of stuff the gift of peace okay and then uh, again you think about this for a minute and now uh, so according to John 14 verse 29 Jesus said and now I have told you before it comes and wh- uh, that when it comes to pass you may believe I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me but that the world may know that I love the father again if he is the father what is he say that he loves himself that the world may know that I love myself <laughs> and and the father and as the father gave me commandments so I do arise let us go from here okay arise let us go from here um now other other uh there's there are other translations that would tell you stuff like you know i'm not going to talk about anything more i got i don't have much more to say here um right here i will no longer talk much with you Okay, I will no longer. So basically what what is what is Jesus saying right here at the end of math or John chapter 14, at the end of John chapter 14, Jesus is saying, "Okay, I told you all these things so that you may believe, uh and you know, you know what to expect when it comes. I'm not going to talk about I'm not going to I'm not going to say much more. I'm not going to talk no longer with you. Let's go." And then what happened? You would expect that to be the end of the discourse. You would expect that What Yeshua said here is actually true in that he's not going to say anything more. He's not going to go on and talk much more about anything. Uh, He just wants to go. Let's go, man. I don't want to talk anymore with you. But instead, we have something that seems way out of place. John chapter 15. Okay? John chapter 15. The whole chapter, the words in red. John, oops, excuse me. John chapter sixteen again the whole chapter words in almost the whole chapter words in red okay Uh, John chapter seventeen same thing okay like much uh, you know ninety percent or more of these chapters are all Yeshua talking then going to what I believe it should be right after John thirteen so basically this is what I'm trying to say I see this clearer than ever now hey guys I mean you're you got you're you're watching this in real time okay i see this clearer than ever and i in the more i see the more i i do i must have to you know say that the scholars seem to be right that john 15 16 17 was actually interjected in there was actually wedged in there by who knows who after way after the fact forged in the name of john john chapter 14 was too because that just doesn't fit. That that doesn't go there, and it, it's not in accordance with any of the other Synoptic Gospels. John chapter fourteen, you know, Jesus says this stuff. Yada yada yada. You know the the typical, the the famous John chapter fourteen sayings of the Christian narrative, and then at the end, Jesus is like, "Okay, I told you these things so that you guys can believe. I'm not going to talk anymore. Let's go." And then what does he do? he sits down and he goes on the longest discourse, the longest monologue or discourse that is ever written in any of the gospels. It's like, it does not fit. It does not. It's out of place. It's out of place. For those of you who don't, are not very familiar with this scholarly aspect of the of the gospel of John. Scholars believe that John chapter one verses one through eighteen have been added later. Wasn't written by John, not legit. John, okay. Of course, it's very very well known. Uh, John chapter eight verses, uh, John chapter seven verses fifty seven, all the way through to John chapter eight verse eleven. Again, was jammed in there by somebody forged in there by somebody way after, actually, way after the fact. Uh, All of the evidence that we have shows that at least, what, at least 300 years after the fact. 300 plus, 400, maybe 500, but at least 300 years. Because in the first 300 years, the first 400 years almost, uh, that is not found in any of the oldest copies of the book of John that we have. So John 1, verses 1 to 18 was added later by whoever anonymous John 7 verses 57 th- all the way through to John chapter 8 verses, verse 11 was added by someone else and then here we are again John chapter 14 15 16 and 17 jammed in there wedged in there shoved in there somehow by who knows who and when Because you read John 13 and then you go into you go to John 18 and 19 and 20, that flows. But 14 doesn't. Unless it was just put in there, again, out of chronological order, which would would, it wouldn't surprise me, because I mean, you know, we have the We have a lot of places in the book of John, in the gospel of John, where it's out of chronological order. It's a mix. It's a, it's a mess. It's like you put everything all in one. It's like you put all the. It, you know what the book of John is like? It's like you put all the. the you take the gospel. You take the gospel, uh, at least what we know of it through the synoptic gospels, you put it into some kind of a, you know, um, like, a, like a barrel to draw. And, 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 you know, we'll draw one and we'll draw another and we'll draw another. It's all out of order, not even in order. So, having said that, let us let us read part of John here. John chapter thirteen. Uh, this is again, this is so far out of order. I was not even. I, it, I just f- totally slipped my mind here that this stuff even existed. So, John chapter thirteen, and this is this is not good, guys. It's not good because John should be written more orderly. The Gospel of John should be a little bit more orderly than it is. And it certainly is not. Okay, let's start with John 13. This is in the bottom right-hand corner for those of you who are on YouTube. Again, if you're listening on the podcast live or if you're listening on TikTok, I am live streaming on multiple different platforms all at once. I know some of you are not able to go to YouTube right now and to watch, but if you are, I would encourage you to do so because I am sharing my screen and you can actually read along with me and you can see what I'm talking about here. You can actually, you know, I, I can illustrate what I'm talking about. If you're interested in that, just go on over to YouTube, do a hop, skip and a jump over to YouTube and search for Christopher Enoch. Christopher Enoch on YouTube. You'll find my channel. It should be the first thing that pops up in the search results. And you will find me live there right now. I am live right now. John chapter 13. For those of you who are on YouTube and on the other uh, video platforms, it's in the bottom right-hand corner of your screen. Jesus said, I do not speak concerning all of you. No, let me just go back. Um... Okay. Again, this doesn't it doesn't flow. That does not flow with what he said earlier, because he's talking about te- uh, he's talking about he, he just washed their feet. He's talking about how a teacher, uh, a servant, is no greater than the master. And then he says, "I do not speak concerning all of you." Again, it seems out of order. There, I do not speak uh, speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Again, we know this is in the Psalms. We read this actually just the other night. Um, in the NU text, my bread has. Uh, he who eats bread with me has lifted up his, his heel against me. Uh, now I tell you before it comes that when it does come to pass that you may believe that I am He. Notice how many times it says this. It says these kind of things so many so often in the Gospel of John, not so much in the other gospels. Verse 20: Most assuredly I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. Again, this stuff. It makes me wonder, is this also added in there? Because it it doesn't really flow according to the other synoptics. Verse 21, when Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about uh, whom he spoke. Now there was Leaning on Jesus' bosom, one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved. Okay, Uh, In the footnotes, reclining. What does that mean, reclining on Jesus' bosom? It just means the one who was uh, closest to him. Uh, The way they understand, the way that they actually ate, uh, if they sat at the table and ate, the way that they sat back in those days was different to, to the way that people would sit back. It's just a cultural thing. They kind of uh, reclined more or less, lean, reclined. Verse 24 uh, Simon Peter therefore motioned to him to ask whom it was of of whom he spoke. Again, that's different than the Synoptic Gospels. Then, leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. Now, again, this is, uh, I, I would say it's a contradiction, because the other Gospels say it's the one who dips with me in the dish. And in the Gospel of John, it says it is he who get, whom I'm going to give the piece of bread, I'm going to dip the, the bread, and I'm going to give the piece of bread when I've dipped it. It's either one or the other. It can't be both. And I can just hear some Christians in the background going, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but this is what it really means. Again, if it's not if it's not written as it really is, then it's inaccurate. If you don't tell it like it really is, it's inaccurate. Just a second. Excuse me, so yeah. Um John 13, 26, Jesus answered, It is he whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. Quite a bit different. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon. And now after now, after the the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Then Jesus said to him, what you do, do quickly. So, yeah, this stuff is not in, as we all know, it's not in the other Gospels. But no one at the table knew for what reason he said this to him. Or some thought, because Judas had the money box, Jesus had said to him, buy those things we need for the feast. Or that he should... Give something to the poor. Having received the piece of bread, he then went out immediately, and it was night. So I'm going to skip this whole thing about new commandment again. It's not in any of the other gospels. It's kind of beside. It's kind of a rabbit trail from the actual topic tonight. Verse 36. This is John 13:36. Simon Peter said to him, "Lord, where are you going?" Jesus said, "Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward." Peter said, "Lord, why cannot why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake." Jesus answered him, "Will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you deny me three times." Okay. So and then and we don't hear anything more about this until John. I mean, we don't we don't get into this whole uh, we don't get back into the flow of this until John eighteen. And again, for those of you who would say, well, I think that maybe Jesus did actually say everything that he said in in John 14, 15, 16, and 17. It's just that it's not in Matthew, Mark, Luke, Matthew, Mark, or Luke. To that, I would say, why not? Why would it be that we have three men who did not know, at least two of them would not know about about the other, Why would they deem it not worthy to be, to write it down as a, as a a part of their gospel? Why not? So Matthew, Mark, Luke, actually, in fact, no other book of the, of the Bible mentions anything, uh, quotes, anything from, from, uh, 14, 15, 16, and 17 of the book of the gospel, John, no other book. So um, so yeah, uh, as far as I can see, John 14 <laughs> probably shouldn't be there at least not in this, in not, not in this uh, chronological order. Uh, and if it should be, then it could be, but it, for sure, John 15, 16 and 17 should not be there. It just does not fit the the, the narrative at all. It's another one of these things that looks it appears to be added in, according to what uh, some scholars say. I, I do think that the more I read this and the more I consider this, it, it looks like that is the actual case. Anyway, now we have all four gospels lining up here. At least at least we got the same story. It's supposed to be the same story, told by all four of these authors. Matthew 26, 47. And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude of swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and elders of the people. So while he was still speaking. Uh, Luke twenty-two forty-seven. 47, while he was still speaking, behold, a multitude. And he was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. Mark 14, 43 and immediately while he was still speaking Judas one of the 12 with a great multitude of swords and clubs came from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders Okay now again here's where we got, we kind of go off the rails again when it comes to uh these these gospels but let's read John here John 18 verse 1 and when Jesus had spoken these words he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron. Again, where is this stuff coming from? Because we don't find this in any of the other Gospels. In the other Gospels, it's like he's in like the book of, he's in Gethsemane or on the Mount of Olives, if you're looking, if you're reading from uh, the book of Luke. So in John, he's, uh, you know, he went with his disciples over the brook Kidron where there was a garden. Okay, so this you can say this was uh, the garden of Gethsemane. You can, pro- you can say that. Uh, which his disciple which he and his disciples entered and Judas who betrayed him also knew the place for Jesus often met there with his disciples then Judas having received a, det- a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees came there with lanterns torches and weapons Jesus therefore knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? Okay, so we don't see that in the Gospel of Luke. That's not in the Gospel of Luke at all. It's different. Gospel of Matthew, it's different. Gospel of Mark, it's not there either. So the Gospel of Matthew 26, uh, verse 48, Now his betrayer had given them a sign, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one who sees him. So that kind of aligns with uh, Luke. Luke says it differently, of course. It's different, but it aligns with that. Verse 49 of Matthew 26, Immediately he went up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. So, this word immediately shows that nothing else happened. It, it was very fast. This is what happened: you, Judas just came up, you know, you know, came upon the scene, stormed the scene, basically, and just immediately went up to Jesus and said, "Greetings, Rabbi," and kissed him. Um, R- Mark fourteen forty four, and his betrayer had given them a signal, saying. Whomever I kiss, he is the one, seize him and lead him away safely. So that aligns with uh, Matthew 26, verse 48. Uh so Mark 14, 45, as soon as he had come, immediately, again, immediately he went up to him and said to him, Rabbi, Rabbi, and kissed him. That's different. Rabbi, rabbi, as opposed to greetings, rabbi, as opposed to uh, Luke does he even kiss him at all? Um, and well, let's read it. Luke chapter twenty two verse forty eight. But Jesus said to that said to him, Judas, are you betraying this son a son of man with a kiss? When those around him saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. But Jesus answered and said, permit even this. And he touched his ear and healed him. So this whole this whole event of the ear being cut off of the uh, servant of the high priest, um, we don't have that. We don't have that in... Uh, okay, we have that in the Gospel of John. We don't have that in the gospel of Matthew. Let's read on. Um, So in Luke 22, 51, but Jesus answered and said, permit even this, he, he touched his heel ear and healed them, healed him. Excuse me. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and captains of the temple and the elders who had come to him, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you daily in the temple you did not try to seize me but this is your hour and the power of darkness. Then it goes on about Peter denying Jesus. Okay, John. Um So John it says going back now Jesus therefore knowing all things that would come upon him went forward and said to them whom are you seeking? So again this is a different account. They said they they answered Jesus of Nazareth, or in the uh, footnotes, the Nazarene. Uh, Jesus said to him, I am. Uh, He is in italics, it's not in the original, so he says, I am. John always, uh, we see it frequently throughout John that Jesus is very closely um, aligned with, well, identified with the great I am. So Jesus said to them, I am. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he had said to, to uh, said to them, I am, they came back and fell to the ground. And he answered them, or he asked them again, Whom are you seeking? And they and they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said, I have told you that I am. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way. Speaking of the other disciples, that is, uh, that the saying might be f- fulfilled, which he spoke of those whom you gave me, I have lost none. In other words, in other words, Yeshua st- stepped up and, you know, basically uh, said, you know, you're not going to have these other ones basically over my dead body. Let them go away. Take me. Um, verse 10, then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his ear. The servant's name was Malchus we don't have that information up here. Um, Where is this now? Uh, Okay, so John 18, verse 11. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? So, and then John 18. They just arrested him. They arrested him right away. Okay, so where is this whole thing about, you know, from Matthew and Mark, where Jesus immediately, or Judas, excuse me, Judas immediately went up and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Uh, Mark, uh, Judas immediately went up to Jesus and said, Rabbi, Rabbi, and kissed him. In Luke, we don't have that kind of con- uh, discourse at all. Uh, we have Jesus asking Judas, are you going to basically betray me with a kiss? And, and it appears like he didn't kiss him at all. At least it's not recorded in the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke. Um, okay, so very different, as you can see. Very, very different. And it seems to be in this account, especially when it comes to the passion, you're noticing, I'm pretty sure the same, the same as what I'm noticing, and that is that Matthew and Mark are very similar, and Luke and, and John seem to be similar. Like, could have been that John, whoever that was, who wrote the book of John, apparently in the late second century, could have sourced maybe one of his sources could have been Luke. And he just added and manipulated the text as he see he saw fit. Uh, and that's not to mention the other people who came along after him and interjected all those other passages as well. So, um, back to Matthew, because in Luke and in John right now, we are right at the arrest the arrest of Yeshua. We are not there yet in Matthew. Um, okay, so in Matthew... Judas immediately went up to him without any kind of discourse at all, immediately went up to him and just said, greetings, Rabbi, kissed him. Then, but Jesus said to him, friend, why have you come? So then there's, then there's a little bit of a small talk here. Then they came and laid hands on, on Jesus and took him. So that's, um, okay. And then suddenly one of one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword, struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Jesus said to him, put your sword in its place for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot now pray to my father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? Now, a legion is like thousands of angels, right? 12 legions of angels are thousands and thousands of angels. Keep in mind in the book of Revelation, it says it only took one angel to bind the devil. As strong as the devil is, it only took one angel to bind him. Matthew 26:54 Now th- then how then could the scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen thus In that hour Jesus said to the multitudes Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to take me I sat daily with you teaching in the temple and you did not seize me But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled Then all the disciples forsook him and fled Okay so Jason, er, Jesus faces the Sanhedrin Mark 14:46 skipped uh, Mark skipped everything actually Matthew adds all these extra details Luke adds out all these extra details John as well whereas Mark just skipped it all and went right to the you know cut right to the chase basically they they arrested Jesus right away So let's go on and continue with mark then then they laid hands laid their hands on him and took him and one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear okay so mark goes into that whole thing as, as well um jesus answered and said to them have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to take me I was daily with you in the temple teaching and you did not seize me but the scriptures must be fulfilled and they all forsook him and fled so again um, you know mark skips a lot of detail although we have here a little bit of detail probably that's not in the other uh apparently not in the any of the other gospels mark 14 51 now a certain young man followed him having a linen cloth thrown around his naked body and the young men laid hold of him and he left his linen cloth and fled from them naked now i don't know why this is in there i don't know why mark put that, put that in there but it doesn't seem to have a whole lot of significance john 18:12 then the detachment of troops and the captain and the officers of the Jews arrested jesus and bound him And they led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest, who was high priest that year. Now it was Caiaphas who advised the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. Peter denies Jesus. Okay, Matthew 26. And those who had laid hold of Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now that that goes with uh, well, John says, And they led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. Now it was Caiaphas um, who advised the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. Okay, so John says he was laid away to Annas. Um, Matthew 26, 57 said he was laid hold, uh, he was, they know him Jesus and led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, the Caiaphas. Uh, so Annas over here, Caiaphas over here, uh, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance to the high priest's courtyard. And he went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Mark, chapter 14, verse 53. And they led Jesus away to the high priest, and with him were assembled all the chief priests, the elders and the scribes. Now Peter followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest, and he sat with his servants and warmed himself with the fire. Luke, twenty two fifty four having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the hut into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Now, when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. Okay, so um, Mark talks about the fire. Matthew. Does not mention the fire. Um, John 18, 15. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Another disciple. M says, the other disciple. Now, that disciple was known to the high priest, and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside. Uh, oh, wait a second. Wait a second. Um, it says in Mark, Peter followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. John says, but Peter stood at the door outside. Luke also says, now Peter followed in a distance. Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard, sat down together, Peter sat among them. So he was in the courtyard, not outside. Well, let's go on to see what the Gospel of John has to say about this. Um, so Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to her who kept the door and then brought Peter in. So, Peter was brought in after the fact. Um, then the, then the uh, servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, you are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Okay, let's stop here for a second. Um, Luke twenty two fifty six. 56, and a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire looked intently at him and said, this, this man was also with him. And he denied him, saying, Woman, I do not know him. Okay, so that's different. right? Luke twenty two fifty six 56 is different in, in the, the, what's said. So the servant girl here says, This man was also with him. Whereas in the uh, Gospel of John, the servant girl said, you are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? And he says, I am not. Back up here to Luke 22. But he denied him saying, woman, I do not know him. Okay, so let's see what uh, Matthew 26 has to say here. Um So uh, Peter denies Jesus way down here. So uh, let me see. Well, let's read all that then. Um, So this is Matthew 26, 59. Now the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Even though many false witnesses came forward, they found none. But at last, two false witnesses came forward and said, this this man, this this fellow, said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and build it in, th- in three days. And the high priest arose and said to him, do you answer nothing? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus kept silent. And the high priest answered and said to him, I Put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said, "It is. It is as you have as you said. In other words, yes, I am. Uh, Nevertheless, I say to you hereafter, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Power and coming at the cloud, cloud, coming on the cloud, clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes, saying, he has spoken blasphemy.' What further need do we have of witnesses? Look, now you have heard his blasphemy. What do you think? They answered and said, he is deserving of death. Then they spat on, spat in his face, beat him, and others struck him with the palms of their hands, saying, prophesy to us, Christ, who is the ones who struck you? Okay, so uh, just for you guys, your own information, um, I know this is kind of convoluted because it's like, why would the high priest and why would everybody be so upset when Jesus just said, you will see the son of man coming in on, you know, on the, on the clouds, you know, with the, uh, on the clouds of heaven. Um, in saying that he was declaring himself to be the Messiah of the book of Enoch. These people apparently knew the book of Enoch because it's the Book of Enoch that basically teaches this that the Son of man and the the term Son of Man is found many times in the Book of Enoch by the way it talks about how this how the um, the Lord will come on on the clouds of heaven so uh I think that this is a very good piece of evidence that the high priest and uh, those who were there uh knew exactly what Jesus spoke of because they knew the book of Enoch. Matthew or Mark 14. Verse 55. Now the chief priests and all the council sought testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but found none for many bore false witness against him, but their testimonies did not agree. Then some rose up and bore false witness against him saying, we heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with hands, and within three days I will build another made without hands. And this is different than what we read in, in Matthew. But not even then did their testimony agree. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, saying, Do you answer nothing? What is it these men testify against you? But he kept silent and answered nothing. And again, again, the high priest asked him, saying to him, are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? Are you the Mashiach, the son of the blessed? Jesus said, I am. And you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes. Why would he tear his clothes? Again, this is, this is, a, this is a symbol of great grief. In wrath, tore his clothes and said, "What further need do we have of witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think?" And they all condemned him to be deserve of, to be deserving de- of death. Then some began to spit on him and to blindfold him and to beat him and to say to him, "Prophesy!" And the officers struck him with the palms of their hands. Uh, Peter denies. Jesus, and weeps bitterly. So, okay, so now Peter sat outside in the courtyard, and uh, a servant girl came to him saying, you also were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you are saying. And when he had gone to the uh, out to the gateway, okay, let me just... I'll stop there because that'd be the third time. I mean, the second time. Uh, So it's all different. I mean, here the the servant girl said, you uh, were with Jesus of Galilee. Um, In Luke, the servant girl said, this man was also with him. Mark 14. Now, as Peter was below in the courtyard, One of the servant girls of the high priest came, and when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with Jesus of Nazareth. We got a different account on each one. Remember, in the Gospel of John, uh, the servant girl said, "Uh, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? So, yeah, so we got different accounts of each each gospel has in quotations a different thing that the, that the uh servant girl said although you could say you know what basically it's all basically the same thing mark 14 68 but he denied it saying i uh, I neither know nor understand what you are saying and he went out on the porch and a rooster crowed so mark mark um so the rooster crowed once in 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 mark okay this is another thing let me see here okay so um in john and Matthew and Luke does not say anything about a rooster crowing at that time. Let's start with Matthew 26, verse 70. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you are saying. And again, each one of these responses are different from the other. Okay. In Matthew, Jesus said, quote, I do not know what you're saying, unquote. In Luke, the response is this, um, excuse me, woman, I do not know him. Quote, woman, I do not know him, unquote. Um, In Mark, uh, Jesus Uh, Peter said, excuse me, I said, did I say Jesus said? Um, Mark 14, Peter said, I neither know nor understand what you are saying. So some different, different uh, quotations of what Peter actually said. discrepancies, yes. Contradictions, not, no. it depends on how you read it. If you read it very literally, yes, a lot of contradictions. If you read it not so literally, but just the gist of what Peter actually did, no, it's not a contradiction. Because the gist of what Peter actually did was he just denied Jesus. And that's what they all agree um, in that, and, you know, the Gospel of John, he just said simply, I am not. Okay, moving on with the Gospel of John, John 18, 18. Now the servants and officers who had made a fire of coals st- stood there, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. Okay, so um John again, it's <laughs> where where is okay, so Peter denies him twice. So in the book of John, in the Gospel of John again, being quite different order. Jesus is questioned by the high priest um, after Peter denies Jesus. Okay? Whereas, yeah, it's after, after, uh, after Peter denied Jesus and the first time, and before Peter denied Jesus the second time. Whereas in the other Gospels, it was it's not, so it's in different order. Okay, let's read this anyway, it's John 18, 19. The high priest then asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spoke openly to the world. I always taught in, in the synagogues and in the temple, where the Jews always meet. And in secret, I have said nothing. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have have heard me what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. And when he had said these things, one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Do you answer the high priest like that? Jesus answered, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why do you strike me? Then Annas sent him to Caiaphas, the high priest. Yeah, so, uh, again, we've got a very different accounts here. Um, very different accounts. Uh, and then Peter denies uh, Jesus twice more in the book of John, John 18, 25. Now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Therefore, they said to him, you are not also one of his disciples, are you? And he said, I am not. So the same kind of thing, the same, almost the exact same words as reported earlier in the book of John. Let's see what Matthew has to say. Verse 71, and when he had gone out of the gateway, another girl saw him, it's um, Peter, and said to those who were there, this fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. So, again, a very different account here compared to John, uh, the Gospel of John. They asked Peter, "Are you not one of the disciples? Are you? Are you not also one of his disciples? Are you?" I am not. Whereas in Matthew twenty six, they the servant girl told other people this fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth but again he denied the oath with an oath saying i do not know the man so in here he, he swore saying i do not know the man whereas in john he just said simply i am not a disciple luke 22:58 and after a little while while uh, after a little while another saw him and said you also are of them But but Peter said, man, I am not. Again, different. This is different. Uh, Mark 14, 69, and the servant girl saw him again and began to say to those who stood by, this is one of them, but he denied it again. A little bit more vague, but, but we have that. Um. Matthew 26, 73, and a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, Surely you are also one of them, for your speech betrays you. Remember how I said about how uh, in in the Bible days we have different people, even within the Holy Land, even within different, in the same geographical location, basically. You have different people with different accents, different ways of pronouncing words or names. This is why I say that uh, I don't think that anybody can really, with a very, with certainly, tell you with with any degree of certainty, I should say, is able to tell you exactly how the the name was pronounced by the children of Israel or by Moses. Let me get back here. So. Okay, so Matthew 26, 73, uh, they saw basically that his accent says that he was one of them. Verse 74, then he began to curse and swear and say, I do not know the man. And immediately a rooster crowed. So in Matthew, the rooster crowed after all that. In Mark, the rooster crowed after the first time. Um, Okay, continuing with uh, Matthew 26, 75. And Peter remembered the words of Jesus who had said to him before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. Okay, so that's the end of Matthew 26. Let's just, um, again, um, let's just go here. So Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, this is Matthew 26, 34. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Well, really, as we read just later on in that same chapter, if you you really want to be specific, it was, okay, let me just say this. Um, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So. Yeah, um, and so that was fulfilled in Matthew twenty six, but not according to Mark. The rooster crowed before he denied him three times. The rooster crowed after he denied him once. Let's read Luke chapter twenty two. Um, so this is after the. F- uh, let's see now. The second betrayal, Luke 22, 59. Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently uh, affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. Now, it's different than what we read in Mark, because in Mark it says, um, That your speech shows that he was a Galilean. Back to Luke twenty two sixty, 60. And Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are saying. And immediately while he was speaking, the rooster crowed. Let's check out the footnote here. The rooster crowed. A rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord how he had spoken, how he said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. Okay, so um, John chapter 18, verse 26, one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear Peter cut off, said, did I not see you in the garden with him? And Peter denied again, and immediately a rooster crowed then it goes right to pilate's court um, mark 14 yeah, a little later uh, those who stood by uh, s- stood by said to peter again those uh, surely you are one of them you are a galilean and your speech shows it then he began to curse and swear i do not know this man of whom you speak and second time a second time the rooster crows, okay? Uh, And that is um, in in accordance with Mark. Then Peter called to mind the word that Jesus had said to him, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And when he thought about it, he wept. So again, we see Another, this is another contradiction because um, we have in Mark, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. In Matthew, it's once, before the rooster crows once, you will deny me three times. In Luke, it's once, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Also in John, it's once. The rooster crowed once. So again, we have a contradiction, especially in the book of Mark. In the book of Mark. So um, we got. Okay, so we're at the end of the chapter in Matthew, the end of the chapter in Mark. I am going to wrap this up tonight. I'll just go through some of your live chat very fast, very quickly here. Wrap it up, and we will continue, Lord willing, tomorrow. Isn't this this interesting? In the meantime, the great deception says, Shalom, everyone. and Jerry says, Shalom, all. Good to see you. Uh, BB says shalom, everyone. Good to see you. Cat uh, Cool says shalom. Good to see you. Welcome, welcome. Mark shalom. Vida says shalom. Good to see you. Elohim bless you all. Elohim, Elohim bless you more, Vida. Okay, uh, just before I get into your. Your questions. Hannah's gonna come back and give you a little bit more live music, and I will be right back. Okay, guys. Here we got Hannah. Uh, let me just see here. Hold on a second. All right, all right. Thank you again. Uh and see we got people here joining on TikTok and Yeshua Hamashir, Shalom. Good to see you. It says, How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you doing? Yeah. We're just actually on the, on the tail end here of, um, of another live broadcast on YouTube as well. And I'm just going to just go through a couple questions here because, um, you know, it's getting late. So, uh, and we're going to, it looks like we're going to be doing this, uh, tomorrow as well, Lord willing. So if you have any questions, you can bring that back. Um, bring your questions back. I apologize. The time is running on. here. There's a lot to cover as you saw so much to go through here. And uh, I think it's important. I think it's really important to do this, to go through this kind of stuff in this way. And again, I'm going through this stuff pretty fast. And, uh, I know there are, there are things that I'm missing here, uh, because I'm going through it so fast. So, uh, the, the comments that I see at Christopher, uh, I will be, uh, paying attention more to those, especially the questions. Um, but I cannot guarantee that I can answer them all because, uh, because of the time again, we're here every single day. So, uh, Lord willing, we'll have a lot more time to answer some of these questions in the meantime. I'll, I will ask, answer a few of them, Uh, Mike says, uh, I would have to debate you on this lack of chronology. You assert, um, I don't know how, again, you know, uh, Mike, you can, you can, um, again, you can reconcile anything. You can say anything you want to say. You can say that we're upside down. Uh, you can say that black is, is red and red is blue. It does. You can say whatever you want. It's like I said in the, in the very beginning, you can reconcile anything, but to me, Two comes after one. Four comes after two. Twenty comes after ten. Obviously, we have chronology difference, major chronology difference, in, in can you know when you uh, compare the Gospel of John with the other Synoptic Gospels. I mean, I just mentioned a couple, right? I mean, the anointing of the woman is 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 just one simple. Uh, uh, there's the uh, the cleansing of the temple. That's a really good one. I mean, the cleansing of the temple is at the end of the ministry in the in the synoptic gospels, whereas it's in the beginning, relatively speaking, in the Gospel of John. There's n- what can you debate on that? Other than I mean, you can you can make a fool out of yourself and and try try to twist it to mix make it be reconciled, but Mike. Chapter 7 comes before chapter 18. (laughs) What is there to debate about that? Um, It's just a fact. It's just a fact. And I'm sorry. I mean, if you think that 3 comes after 1, I mean, 3 comes before 1. If you think that 10 uh, comes before chapter 5, then I can't do much for you, Mike. I mean, it's up to you. you. If that's what you want to settle on. Like I said to you at the very beginning if you have settled on that then the, nobody can can change your mind. I guess the question for you Mike would be this. What would it take for you to see what would it take for you to say hey the chronology of the gospel of john is is in is in out of order it's 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 way out of order. What would it take Serious question: What evidence would it take to show you that it's not in order? It obviously isn't, to me. Again, to me, seven chapter seven comes after chapter three. I mean, it's obviously. <laughs> you can say whatever you want, Mike, but that's that's the, that's just the facts of the matter. And I think that anybody with an open mind, anybody that you know has any kind of logic and reason and truth behind them, would say would agree with me on that. Jamie asked the question, uh, do you believe Jesus is the Messiah who brought the New Covenant in uh, from Jeremiah 31? Absolutely, Jamie. Absolutely. Um, One John says, uh, Gethsemane, also called Garden of Gethsemane, garden across Kidron Valley on the Mount of Olives per Google. Okay, awesome, awesome to bring that out. Thank you very much. Uh, one, John. One John said, I was told that Luke was more accurate because he supposedly was more intelligent because he was a doctor. Inter- interesting that his account was not as complete as the others. Yeah. In, in, you know, I haven't really heard that one, but I would, I, that's interesting to me because It shows me that whoever says that doesn't think that Matthew or Mark or John is that intelligent, uh, not intelligent enough to be accurate. It's a very interesting point of view. Uh, Now, I would say this as well. I believe that, uh, you know, I've heard that um, a lot of scholars are, are up in the air as to who actually even wrote the book of Luke, who actually even wrote the book of Luke. Because it is the author, um, the author is in question. The author is in question. Whoever wrote the book of Luke, I believe, also wrote the book of Acts, although some scholars disagree with that as well. 1 John says, thank you for going through this. It is troubling that some of the main quotations that showed the divinity of Jesus are only in John. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's, it's, it's a problem for sure. And again, you got to ask the question. Why is it only in the Gospel of John? Matthew, Mark, Luke, did they not know about it? Why did they not know about it? If they know if they knew about it, why didn't that, why did they not include it as part of their gospel? Did they think it wasn't important? Did they think it wasn't accurate? They think it wasn't true. Why not? Caballero says, uh, very interesting to read the differences. Thank you for pointing them out. Hardly any church speaks on this. Good night. See you tomorrow. Good night, Caballero. See you tomorrow. Blessings. Blessings, brother. Calero says, "Thank you for another day of Bible study." Okay, so that's uh, sorry, that was at the beginning actually. Um, The brick train says, "What what do you think of the Council of Nicaea's? What do you think of Council of Nicaea's to include four accounts of of the Gospel? I think three would have been enough because two or three people." Uh, say something is enough to believe it. Yeah. um, Yeah. I, 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 the council of Nicaea is kind of a, a sticking point for a lot of people. Um, I've heard different accounts one person would say that's where the, the canon was actually um, decided upon another person said no, not at all that's not where the accounted the uh, the canon was decided upon it was decided upon before that um, whatever the case is, I think that the whole idea of Bible canon is is misleading and it's not it's not biblical I mean the Bible is not biblical the Bible canon is not biblical. So, um, it's different. I mean, I can't really, I can't really condemn anybody. For, I mean, I have lots of Bibles around here. I mean, the one I've been holding up here quite a bit, um, I have lots of Bibles around here, but I think it's really like the way you look at it, right? It's, uh, the Bible canon, should it be, uh, looked at as a perfect collection or just a collection? I think it should be looked at as just a collection, just a, it's a library of books. It's not just one book. It's a library of books. And it's it's just the way you look at it. I think that makes all the difference. Sam over there on TikTok. Shalom. Good to see you. Welcome. Long time no see. Okay, guys. Um, Question for Move asks a question. Is there, is there, a reason why sometimes I feel weird, like I'm really far from God. Yeah, there's definitely a reason for that. Um, and I'm not sure what it would be, but there would be a reason for that. Uh, there's There has been uh, a time in my life that I, I myself felt like that. But uh, if that's the case, I mean, I would, uh, if you feel really far from God, uh, run to him with all your might. Run to him with all your might. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Mark says uh, I just finished the live stream from April 9th with Jason wish I could caught, wish wish I could have caught it live uh does he have a YouTube channel I'm not sure if he does are you planning to have him back um I'm not sure about that either um we'll see how it goes perhaps um The brick train says, are you looking for Jesus constantly? I don't know what you mean by looking for Jesus. I don't know what you mean by that. I mean, different people can take that different ways, so I'm not sure what you mean by that. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I asked, uh, I asked Mike a question here earlier. I didn't see any reply back from him. so. I'm okay okay so tomorrow would be uh, tomorrow Thursday April 14th for those of you who are watching in the future uh, this would be the day before Passover we'll continue reading through the gospels in this way I think that this is a good idea to do this uh, as um, uh, let me see here Just a second here Yeah, I think this is a good idea to do this, to read through the Gospels, especially during this time of the year, um, reading through the Passion, seeing that the, it goes right in line with everything, and uh, seeing that no, I have never, in all the churches I've been to, I've never, ever uh, heard any teaching or heard any sermon or any, any church having any kind of program at all doing these kinds of doing this kind of thing, just putting all four gospels all up at once and comparing them all, reading them all, seeing what, what we can glean from them. And so like, as Caballero said that this is something that you just don't find in church. I think it should be for sure. It should be I mean, beyond a question, uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt, churches should be doing this all, like, every year this time they should be doing this. So, yeah, we'll continue doing this tomorrow. Geo the Just says, love your videos, brother. Thank you very much, Geo the Just. Question for move. I'll take this, and then we'll we'll uh, call it a night. I'm not sure about how. Not sure how to answer the question. I try sometimes fail, um, but my main problem is about intrusive thoughts. And even if I disagree or try to ignore, etc., uh, but it still makes me feel weird. Uh, the only thing I can think about when it comes to intrusive thoughts, there's a couple of things that could be causing that, and that is. Um, Number one, it could be something in your house, in your home, uh, something that that is giving room uh, for the enemy to come in. Uh, it could be some books that you own, clothes that you own, par- paraphernalia paraphernalia that you attain somewhere. It could be what you're watching on the internet or on TV or anything like that. It could be what you've downloaded on your computer. Uh, it could be uh, some. It could be where you live, even. Um, you know, it could be something that went on in the in the place where you are now living that uh, that gave room for uh, spirits that would that would cause this kind of thing. Um, it could be that um, it could be something else too. It could be that it's intrusive thoughts that your own intrusive thoughts from maybe your past that's coming back. Uh, maybe it's the way you used to think or something like that. If that's the case, just uh, continue to. Uh, do all you can to, uh, to push, to, to press into the Lord, uh, do all you can. Uh, I mean, coming on here is a great way to do that. I mean, fellowshipping and, and listening to the word of God being read and and discussing it. Um, I think it's very, very important, um, that, that you just f- f- like drown out all the other thoughts you might have, uh, read the scriptures, pray as much as you can. As much as you possibly can pray, um, you know, for music, don't listen to secular music, listen to music that praises and worships God. Um, so you just do that. You drown out what you got. You make sure that your home is cleaned up and that those intrusive thoughts should not last very long. Over there on TikTok. What's your take on Paul and the 12 gates of the New Jerusalem, since he's the 13th apostle? Um, so my take is that the 12 gates of the New Jerusalem, according to the uh, book of Revelation, has the names of the 12 disciples on them, no more, no less. And Paul was not one of the 12 disciples, never could be, never would be. It did not. Um, he did not qualify. Never would or never could qualify, according to the requirements of Acts chapter one. As far as being the thirteenth apostle, I you know I, I wouldn't necessarily call him the thirteenth apostle. We got other apostles that are mentioned in the book of Acts, uh, Barnabas, uh, um, other apostles like that. Who knows what the thirteenth apostle? If it's Paul, or it could be anybody else. I mean, there were thousands of Gentiles that came uh, to to the knowledge of of God before Paul even knew about Jesus, uh, got saved at all, you know, before uh, Paul got into the, uh, uh, you know, had the road to Damascus experience according to the book of Acts. So thousands of Gentiles got saved. So, who, I mean, God could have made a thousand Gentiles apostles before Paul even came onto the scene. Apostle just simply means to be sent by the Lord. I mean, um, you know, if, we read that 3000 got saved in one day, um, before Paul was ever known, uh, or was ever a Christian or anything like that. Uh, so, I mean, if God, if, if, if Yeshua called all 3000 to go preach the gospel, then guess what? There was at least three thousand and twelve apostles right there before, before Paul, even, you know, before he was ever even, uh, before he wrote one of his his epistles, before the the road to Damascus. So so that's my take on Paul the Apostle and the 12 gates of Jerusalem. You're not going to find his name there. I do not believe you're going to find his name there. Question for move says, uh, okay, thank you so much for the tips. You're welcome. I hope that helps. yeah, just just give it all you got. Give it all you got. Geo the Just says we're on the same page. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, I'm going to close out here. It's getting late here, and I've been actually doing a live stream. I've been on live going on four hours now, three and a half, almost four hours. Um, and so the latter, we're going on the uh, the fourth hour here so we will uh, we'll we'll pick up where we left off tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, that's uh, seven p m eastern. i'll I'll be back here, same time, same place. By the way, those of you who are on TikTok and on Podbean, I'm doing a po- live podcast a broadcast right now as well. Uh, if you are not subscribed on YouTube, I highly recommend you go over to YouTube and find me over there because uh, when I do these these kind of scripture readings and um, you know, fellowships and stuff, it's everybody tells me it's better on youtube i can share my screen you you can watch you can see what i'm reading and uh, i can show you things i can show you pictures i can show you diagrams and all that kind of stuff Uh, unfortunately on tiktok tiktok just does not have those features to do that so if you are ever on youtube go on over to youtube look me up over there christopher enoch christopher enoch You'll find me there. My channel is there. I'm actually live right now on YouTube, so make sure you subscribe and uh, put those notifications on because sometimes I go live on the I, I go live on kind of off times every once in a while. Uh, but anyway, tomorrow, 7 p.m. Eastern, I'll be back, Lord willing, and uh, and we'll pick up where we left off. Amen. As always, you guys are awesome. You guys are awesome. You guys are world changers. I appreciate every one of you. I appreciate your questions and your comments, and uh, I appreciate your fellowship. So blessings, blessings, blessings multiplied to you guys. And as always, I pray the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you wonderful, wonderful shalom. Amen. Amen. See you tomorrow.